I will say the character Mako, I think, will can have burn a in lot hell? of opinions. Can burn in hell, right? I will say for the first 10 episodes, I really wanted to put her in a wood chipper. You just listened to the song True Blue Traveler from the anime IS Infinite Stratos 2 by the artist Aoi Air. This is the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast, episode 229, where our sole mission is... To make your anime addiction worse. Thank you. As always, you can find us at aapodcast.com, iTunes, Facebook, Ustream, where we broadcast live every Saturday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'm Chiaki, and I'm joined by two handsome co-hosts. Not lovely this week? Um, I decided to mix it up. This week, you can be handsome. Oh, well, that's, that's good. I'm, I'm glad I'm always changing and transmorphing into different kinds of attractive. You know, a, a, different, a different Senketsu evolution, maybe, <laughs> as it were. And I'm Mitsugi, so it's good, good to be here with you guys. It's, uh, it's a balmy, hot night in Florida, so... If I had to guess, I would bet you have swamp ass. That seems to be an affliction that regularly, regularly abuses you. It is. Is there a difference between swamp ass and mud butt? Yes. Oh, oh yes. my god. <laughs> yeah, yes, and that's not a discussion for this episode. <laughs> Maybe next episode though. All right, we have a five-star review. Oh, we do. Which one of you gentlemen feels like your eyes and your mind are connected enough to read it? I'm going to read it this time. Go for it. So the great Nagao writes, I give this podcast five Moe girls burning in hell out of five. Dramatic pause. Pope Mitsugi fights a never-ending battle against everything Moe. But fear not, because Chiaki has taken up the mantle of the Archangel of Moe, and poor Cram is caught in the crossfire. If what I described interests you, then subscribe now and catch up on the wackiness that is the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast. We can be wacky. And um, someone someone sent me a PM. I was asking if uh, we were able to see reviews that people had written from foreign countries. Now, I know that we have a lot of listeners from like Canada and Australia and New Zealand and a couple of European countries. 
but this particular person was from Canada, and unfortunately, you, you can only view written reviews from the country in which you have your iTunes registered. Mm. So unless you live in the United States, we can't see the written reviews that you leave. But you know, it would maybe be cool, those of you who live abroad, print screen your iTunes so we could see the reviews from abroad. Send, send it to us an email. Now, this, this particular person sent me their five-star review in a PM. <laughs> That they also wrote on iTunes just to make sure it would get read. So if you do that, I, I will read your 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 review also. So All I'll right. take your word for it that it was five stars. We have some new forum members. Welcome to the forums: the Flying Toast, the Otaku Taco, and Jazzmaster Nine. I'm taking the Flying Toast. That is my name of the week. I think I'm going to go with uh, the Otaku Taco. That's perfect because I was going with uh, Jazzmaster oh, because wow. uh, being being a musician, a musician, I. We'll always go for the musical forum name. So I could I could also go for the flying toast because I'm hungry and either one of those. Oh, how sad! I just there's something about flying toast that seems poetic to me. Speaking of poetic trivia, the answer to this week's trivia was Tokyo Tower. This was the last round of our famous places or landmarks Japan round of trivia, where we were having you. Name the place in Japan, not just the anime, but name the place in Japan from the anime's picture. Those who got Tokyo Tower correct for this week were The Great Nagao, Shakespeare, Astrophysics, Bobobobobots Go, Is No Try, The Count, Opai for Senpai, Icy Rose, Outlaw Mazinger, No Anime, No Life, Reiji, Padalite, Crutch 910, Tinned Foil, Chapter 9, Takiora 77, Attack on Titties, and Madly Mudkip. And the week, the winner for the week was No Anime, No Life. I take it that name is based off of a currently running show, No Game, No Life. The winner for the month, as as I said, it was the last of our current okay. round. Who was it? Was Takyora seventy seven. Ding ding ding! What do we have for her, Johnny? What do we have for her, Johnny? Um, I don't know. You haven't yet. You have not yet selected your prize from the <laughs> internet. So eventually, you will be handsomely rewarded for your effort. Yes, for those of you who are joining us for the first time, we run trivia every week, I and you can be involved and win free stuff because that's what we do with our money. We give it to you. I see that Chiaki took it easy on you guys this week and gave you an easy question. There, oh. I like to try to have one pretty easy question I'm in each round. Pretty sure she dominated you guys last two weeks. Well, you know. did, any, did any dummies say that it was the Eiffel Tower? <laughs> We had no dummies. Well, I did say okay. in Japan, so you would have to oh, be a okay, dummy on, on multiple levels. You have to be an extra dummy. <laughs> the The new theme of for trivia is live action adaptations. So there is a picture of a real life actor or actresses, and you have to name the anime that they are from. It's time for an almighty anime mailbag. Anime. 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 Mailbag. Bag, 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 bag. Our first mailbag comes from Musia Pen. And the way he submitted this was he went to aaapodcast.com and clicked on our tab called Mailbag. No way. Way. Does that really work? It really does. And it sends it right to oh. my email. So witchcraft, I say witchcraft. <laughs> so for those of you who want to send it right to Chiaki's inbox, you know, you can put a little thing in the header. This isn't a mailbox. I just want to say hi, Chiaki. That that works too. Who would like to read the first one? You know, I really miss talking to Cram and hearing Cram's sexy voice. So why don't you Aww. read it, Cram? 
All right, I'll do it. So Musapien or Musapien or however you pronounce this writes, have any of you gone to a supposed haunted site? And is it a big thing for the Japanese community? Are we not counting Graham's house? <laughs> I was about to say, um, I, I think my house counts. But uh, this uh, this person, I guess, sent us a link to, no, to a Rocket no. News article. Oh, no, he, this he is did. me. That was you. This oh, okay, I see. Is, this is my extra effort because, believe it or not, Japan probably has a thousand haunted sites, so the mailbag was a little vague. So I have no idea what haunted site you're talking about, so I thought we'd make it fun and just go down the top ten haunted places in Japan. I find I find Japanese people on the whole to be very superstitious, like very. the average Japanese person. And again, for those of you who haven't heard the full story, the short is Cram's house had a murder in it. And because of that... No one would move into the house. It, yeah. They had to, you know, pawn it off on a stupid foreigner. Anyway, so <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to do the top five of these cause, because it's a little bit too long. Number five is the tea house ruins in Okinawa. As, as Kobayashi puts it, and by the way, this is coming from RocketNews24.com. As Kobayashi puts it, there's not much information about this place, and he couldn't be more right as internet searching yielded little more than him saying there wasn't much information about the above picture. Oh, that's not very interesting. Doesn't it look like something from, like, The Ring or The Grudge, though? I swear I've seen that in a movie. Number four is the Round Schoolhouse Ruins in Hokkaido. On the internet, this circular school in Hokkaido is rather well-known and documented on the internet, saying that someone once dared to go inside and went insane and disappeared. How did they know that they went insane if they disappeared? <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. I'm just, uh, I'm one, not to poke holes in this. I'm just curious. Number three, everybody knows. It's Aokigahara. I think oh, this yeah. is the, the murder forest by, by Mount Fuji where everybody kills themselves, seemingly. Um, the next one is the hospital ruins somewhere in North Kanto. Abandoned hospitals are generally pretty spooky places to be in, but what shook Kobayashi most were the stories of a mysterious group shrouded in white cloth who performed ceremonies here. The stories go that anyone who catches them in the act of a ceremony gets attacked with a sickle. Sure enough, when visiting, he saw a sickle lying on the ground. Dun-dun-dun-dun. I mean... Dun-dun-dun. I don't, I don't get it. It's like, if you go to this place, you might get attacked with a sickle. Let's go. <laughs> and the, the number one most haunted place in Japan, according to this website, is the Hanging Ruins in Shinsekai, Osaka. Tucked away in the bustling Shinsekai area of Osaka lies a burnt-out building where scores of sneakers are hung. Kobayashi claims that an acquaintance once saw, once saw a life-sized doll hanging from the rafters, only to learn later that it was a real dead body. I actually think the suicide forest is way more creepy way than more, that. Way creepier. Like, like with the voodoo dolls nailed to trees and the people just hanging from trees. To answer your question, I don't think we've been to any, to any of these places. The, no. the one place that I'll contribute just from living in Japan and hearing about it, I heard there's this temple in somewhere north Japan in Aomori. One of our mutual friends was telling me about it, but it's believed to be like the temple that's the gateway between like Earth and the afterlife. And there's supposed to be like sulfur pits and no shit. weird smells and steam and Sounds like sounds like a sounds like a natural hot spring. I've heard I've heard though that like when people go to this temple, they don't let their kids out of the car because kids are more susceptible to possession and because there's supposedly so many spirits in the area. Like they don't let their, their kids get too close to the temple grounds you know what it, maybe it is a hot spring because you know in some cases nothing is scarier than scores of old man buttocks <laughs> uh, 
Okay. Haunted by ass. Haunted by ass. So who would like to read the next mailbag question? That sounds like the next comedy horror movie. Haunted by ass. (laughs) I'll read the next one. The next one's from Akira. Oh, cool. Hi, Akira. Are you still looking for a Kaneda? (laughs) Hey, AAA. I just watched the Oscar nominations and spotted a nominee for Best Animated Film for 2013 was The Wind Rises by director Hayao Miyazaki. Thought I would relay that here. Enjoy your day and the rest of your year. So that wasn't really a question. No. But I wrote, yes, but I think Frozen won the Oscar, right? For Best Animated Picture? Yeah. Sure did. And I think we, I think those of us that have seen both movie agree, and both movies agree that Frozen is better. Yep. Yeah. I would have to, uh, the only advice I'd have to give to Hayao Miyazaki if he's upset about that is, man, just let it go. <laughs> just let it go, man. He I, can't uh, hold it back anymore. I uh, I haven't seen Frozen, but as The Wind Rises was quite boring, I think that Frozen's probably a lot better. Um, I still can't believe you haven't seen Frozen. We have one more. Why? We You're have, weird. We have one more mailbag question. I think it's Cram's turn. Okay, so this mailbag comes from Maverick Iverutaru. And actually, there are two questions. Question one, I recently watched the Genesect movie, or Genesect, rather, movie and OAV. And after I watched it, people over social media are talking shit about the movie and the dubbed Pokemon. I'm really worried that it'll hurt the Pokemon company. What should I do? Nothing will hurt the Pokemon company. What are your thoughts, Cram? Um, I don't know. Is he trying to be the savior of the Pokemon company? <laughs> I don't know. I mean... <laughs> I don't. I don't think they need any help, but um, I yeah, I don't think it's a that big of a deal. Um, you know, people. It's the internet. People talk shit. <laughs> Come um, on. I, I doubt. I doubt that it, anything can hurt or can hurt the Pokemon Company. I mean, yeah. I, I looked it up online, and the recent XY video game up to date has over 11 million copies sold, which is ridiculous. And the animes are very popular as well. And I don't think I put any stock in what the internet says. I mean. Pokemon lives and dies by what Japanese kids think of it. And Japanese kids, like elementary school kids, aren't even, are, are not the kid people that are on the internet bitching about the movie. Well, not so. to mention, take everything with a grain of salt. Is someone like, is the, the Pokemon movie isn't critically acclaimed? Well, well, no, probably not. Does it really entertain 10-year-olds? Yeah, and that's where they make their money. So. How, about, how about the second half of the, of the mailbag, Graham? The second question is, I heard about the upcoming Pokemon movie, Hakai no Mayu, translated to uh, Cocoon of Destruction, released in J- uh, Japanese theaters on July 19, 2014. So that's coming up. Are you going to see that on opening weekend? Final question. Oh, there are three questions. Final questions. Out of all the Pokemon movies, what are your top three and why? I'm probably not going to go see the Pokemon movie, and I think I've only seen three of the Pokemon movies, and that would probably be the first three, so by default. I've seen the first <laughs> Those are my favorites. Two. Uh, I've seen, I've seen the, the movie where Mew and Mewtwo have a battle. Is that the first movie? That's the first one. All right, I've seen that I, one. And then the no, the next it? one is Pokemon 2000, yeah. and that's with uh, Lugia and uh, Ho-Oh. Right. And the third one, I think, is the one with the unknown and the three um, legendary beasts yeah i didn't see that one i saw the power of one the first one and 2000 and the power of one is going to be my favorite forever because i remember being a kid and i saw that i think in the movie theaters and i think i cried oh 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 cram ready i think the the power of one is a different movie oh is it well then maybe i I have three maybe i have i think that's more recent because yeah you might have three because the power of one isn't that the one which which one is the one where mew and mewtwo fight 
That's the one that that's I saw. That's the first one. That's, oh, that's called Pokemon, Pokemon the, the movie. The movie. Okay, yeah, well, yeah. then that's my favorite one because that's the one I think I saw um, in the theater. Cram, are you going to go see this movie in theaters? No. No? no what? No. No. It, no. I mean, it costs like 18 or 20 bucks US to go see a movie here. Too much money. Like, I can't even convince my wife to go see The Amazing Spider-Man 2 because, you know, we heard it was garbage. But, you know. <laughs> so, well, no, I'm not going to go see the Pokemon movie. All right. So, thank you for your mailbag submissions. Well, what do we got next, Jackie? Well, I think we have the results of our 2014 listener choice. I think we know what the people of our show have picked for us. Okay, so... We held over the last two weeks our listener, our spring 2014 listener choice anime selection, so which included all the anime that we didn't do impressions on, and also the animes that we didn't pass that we had that we had previously previously done impressions on. And there were a lot of shows from this last season because, as we know, most of the animes ended and ended after the winter season. So we had like 45 anime or something ridiculous for the spring. So the results are very spread out, but there were a lot of votes. And in third place, so in other words, if this one, if, if, you're, if this anime is what you want, you lost. Uh, Hitsugi, uh, Hitsugi no Chaika, or Chaika the Coffin Princess, I think is the English translation. Which we didn't, wasn't on our radar at all. Has got, ha, was placed third with 11% of the votes. So, um, second place with 13% of the votes was Haikyuu, which I'm going to mention in another uh, poll in just a moment. And in first place, I have no drum roll for you, but with 21% of the overall votes, No Game, No Life won the spring 2014 anime poll. So that will be our ninth anime for the spring season. Is it weird that I feel like I won something because this was part of my original choices? Um, I know I didn't pass it, but I feel like I'm... Yay! I picked the one that the listeners pick. I win! Well, we'll, we'll, see, if we f- <laughs> we'll see if we're feeling like we're winning once we start watching it. <laughs> well... I've already watched a couple episodes. I know. I know how I was feeling. So there was also another poll that I want to mention real quick that was a poll done. This is courtesy of Anime News Network. A poll done on Japanese men and women about their favorite spring 2014 anime. And I'm not incredibly stunned by the results of this poll. But um, for women, Haikyuu is the most popular anime of the season, which I guess it's the new free. Shocker. Shocker, right? (laughs) Uh, followed. By- I can't tell you how many how many screenshots of like asses sticking up in the air from little <laughs> high school boys I've seen oh on God, Twitter. That's awkward. So I, I'm sure there's like a thousand there's girls walking around Tokyo with like 400 buttons of haiku on their bags. Oh yeah, well number one for the men was the irregular at Magic High School or okay, so I want to do my so sister. I high really school. have a problem with this. I mean, for, so not only was the regular at, Mag- at Magical High School number one for men, but it was also number two for women. So this is, I guess, the most popular anime in Japan from the season. And I just say, why? I mean, I don't understand. Japan really has no problem with incest. I mean, they have, they had, it, this is proof. Is this not proof? Can I just say I do think the list gets good at number three, though, with one-week friends? For, for men. And women. And men and women. So number two for men was No Game, No Life, which I guess you said also has some incest themes in it. I would say so. I, I know some episodes. people disagreed with me, but I would I would say so. I mean, I know I already said it before, but in the regular Magic High School, they came one small step from like making out in episode three. I mean, it was... Okay, so... Um, all right. 
All right. So well, Japan is perverted. Well, the news flash. I think it just goes to prove that people in large groups have terrible taste. <laughs> well, I can at least guarantee all the listeners out there, whether this pleases you or not, you decide. But I will be watching No Game, No Life. I don't know how the boys are going to figure this out, but... Since I've already watched three episodes and did the impression on it, I only feel it is fair for me to watch it all the way through. So I'll be interested in that. All right. We're going to have a short anime news break. And when we come back, our main topic today is anime cocktails. So get your IDs ready. We'll card you out the door. Not really. And then we're going to take another news break. And when we get back, we are going to have a invigorating review of Kill the Kill, I'm sure. So don't go anywhere. And while we are on our news break, we have a poll question for those of you who are listening live. If you were in Japan, what kind of drink would you buy Cram? Would you buy him a nice frothy dark beer, a pale ale, a line of sake bombs, hard liquor over ice, or a frilly moe girl fruit drink? Which one would you go with? We'll be back soon. Hey everyone, this is Chiaki, and this is your Anime News Break. For those of you who are fans of Gundam, and you have to own all the Gundam merchandise out there, there's a new Artisans Craft Gundam tumblers that are inspired by Mecha Engines. Premium Bandai is taking pre-orders for these Burner Tumblers, a collaboration of Japanese master and ironmongers Tsubame and the Gundam Cafe. The tumbler is modeled after the burner cone-shaped injection system attached to the RX-78-2 Gundam's Mecha's main engine generators. The work is part of Gundam Cafe's Discovery G series, working to bring the world of Gundam and Japanese traditional arts and crafts together. I have to admit, these tumblers are very classy looking and not explicitly Gundam related, so they could be a fantastic showpiece for your home. Another news, the Cannes Film Festival has finished, and the official director's Fortnite website has announced its awards. Isao Takahata and Studio Ghibli's The Tale of Princess Kaguya was screened at the event, but unfortunately, it did not receive an award. It was the only animated film to screen at the director's Fortnite event. Another news, for those of you who order your anime goods through Amazon, and they might be provided by distributor Viz Media, you may have noticed that there are no longer pre-orders available. Viz Media has responded to a question on its Facebook page that its distributor Warner Brothers is currently negotiating contract details with Amazon, and as a result, Amazon has disabled pre-orders until the negotiations are resolved. The company previously disabled pre-orders on Hatchet titles, including its manga imprint Yen Press. The Amazon Books team issued a statement that it's stating it is not optimistic that this will be resolved soon, unfortunately. In other news, for those of you who live in Japan and can get to the Studio Ghibli Museum or who might be visiting soon, Hayao Miyazaki's The Nutcracker and Mouse King exhibit will be opening this week at the Ghibli Museum in Mitaka, Tokyo. Miyazaki was inspired after spending the New Year holiday reading E.T.A. Hoffman's The Nutcracker and the Mouse King, which provided inspiration for the Chikarsi famous Nutcracker Ballet. In addition to a model of a ballet theater stage diorama and illustrator illustrations by Allison J., the exhibit will also include hand-drawn illustrated panels by Miyazaki. 
Finally, for those of you who are fans of No Game No Life, there'll be an event in Nagoya and Osaka celebrating the release of the single This Game by Konomi Suzuki. This event has already been held on May 24th in Akihabara, and it will continue on May 31st in Nagoya and June 1st in Osaka. However, in the Akihabara event, there was a live concert a talk show, and a handshake meet and greet. However, at these other locations, there'll be no handshake. It's been cited as quote-unquote various circumstances, but it's likely due to the AKP48 idol group members as well as a male staff member that were attacked by a saw-wielding man at a handshake event on May 25th. All three are okay, but Japanese pop stars may be playing it safe for a while. This is Chiaki, and this was your Anime News Break. Story time with Cram. And yes, we are now presently in Cram's house. That's right. So we are in the uh, the murder room. Actually. Yes, yeah. this oh, yeah. is the murder room. Oh, it's the, would you like to tell? You have to tell the story now. Uh, I've told it on the podcast before, but I guess it was back in 2006, December of 2006. Uh, someone was murdered in this house. The people that were living here. Um, the son was taking care of his mother, and she was very ill, as I understand it. And I guess he wanted to put her out of her misery, so he took a pillow and. Uh, Asphyxiated her. Right here. Right here. Right where we're same doing this. Same tatami. Right here. Yeah. Same tatami. Well, no, they changed the tatami. Oh, they changed the tatami. So we oh, are. So you mean to tell me that we're actually broadcasting right now in the exact maybe square meter where a person was smothered to death? Yeah. Wow. We're also underneath my bedroom, uh, where a man died of an illness. <laughs> wow. The father. Nobody will ever want to spend the night at Cram's house. Back to the podcast. And we're back to the 229th episode of the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast. It's really good to be back. Yeah. Keeping your addiction w- worse. Yeah, that's, worse. That's English right there. Yes. Yeah. And your glass is full. So the poll that's results, right. speaking Some of glasses. Some would call us enablers. Yes. So the poll, yes. speaking of drinking. So the poll was regarding what kind of alcoholic beverage you would buy for cram were you to come visit Japan. And with 38% of the votes, hard liquor over ice has won the poll. Mm. Hi, how do you feel about that, Cram? Uh, I mean, if it's a free drink, I will, I will gladly imbibe it. But uh, I, would, I would have preferred a nice, frothy, dark beer or a pale ale. Anything with beer is good. But, You're a uh, beer guy. I'm a, yeah. I'm a big fan of dark beers. What about a sake bomb in a dark beer? Sure. Oh, yeah. that's oh, that sounds really good. Actually, <laughs> I want one right now <laughs> for breakfast. I remember. I still remember when for you breakfast. Oh my! I remember when you and Roko did those at the, at the Izakaya. That was fun. Yeah, that was fun. And, uh, I remember when when Roko did those at Otakon that yeah. one year. Man, yeah. we should go to another. Roko drank two of them at Otakon. We should go to another convention. Yeah, I want to meet. I want to meet two people who listen to yeah. this show. So, uh, so speaking of of drinking and things like that, I I went I did a little extracurricular activity for our main poll for oh me for my. our main for our main topic today, which is what was well, can you explain the topic one more time? Well, our main topic is anime cocktails, and I think there's kind of three sections for this. There's anime that center around alcohol or feature alcohol or tropes with alcohol in anime then there are the types of alcohol that you'll see in an anime and then i think we invented some anime inspired cocktails that you are welcome to try at your own risk all right so my extracurricular activity was at the suggestion of some people on our forum i um i watched an episode of the anime bartender Hmm. which is very interesting it's uh 
It's a 2006 anime that is, uh, the animation is by Palm Studio, and it's about a genius bartender who makes incredible cocktails that are so delicious that people have never, you know, they've never had anything so delicious before in their lives, and seeking his quote-unquote glass of God, individuals from all walks of life come to the bar to visit, um, and he listens to their problems and serves them drinks, like a bartender, like what a bartender normally does, and... Um, it was, it was interesting. I would say that it was barely animated. <laughs> it was, it would not have impressed Cram very much. <laughs> so, um, but they did, they did, he did create some interesting drinks in the first episode. Um, a Susie Gimlet, which I don't know what the hell that is. Um, a martini, which everyone knows, knows, knows what a martini is. Yeah. A, a, a Pousse Cafe style grasshopper. And I learned that that the I'm probably mispronouncing that, but the pousse is like a, like a multi-layered drink with the different um, densities of the liquid so that the they don't mix. So if that makes sense, like liquid, like oil floats on water, right? I always think those drinks are cool where they uh, where they have the different yeah. alcohols mixed just so that they they right. float differently. And then the, and then the last one was called a sidecar, which I've never heard of that either. Oh, so. I've heard of a sidecar. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, so that was those were the drinks that were in the anime. I, I don't really recommend the anime. If I were to if I were to score the anime based off of the first episode, I'd give it like a two and a half. Mm. It's kind What's, of what is what is better, the, the bartender anime or cocktail starring Tom Cruise? I haven't seen that. I have not seen cocktail, but you um, haven't seen cocktail. It's yeah. a masterpiece. Well, I would say cocktail is better than <laughs> based off your description. <laughs> um, have you guys heard of the manga Drops of God? No, I haven't. How's that? No. It's it's a manga. It, there's not an anime. There should be, though, because this manga is just too cool. It's all about wine and wine culture. And just like just reading the manga, you can learn so much about the proper way to pour a wine and like all the different types of wine and how wines are supposed to age and all this kind of stuff. But it's imbued with this, you know, very soap operatic uh, melodrama that you, know, you find in <laughs> wow. in kind of in shoujo manga so often. It's it's really something I've, I've read the, the first several chapters um, at the recommendation of a, of a critic by the name of Deb Alki. And uh, she's very knowledgeable on the subject. But yes, I recommend Drops of God to everyone interested in getting drunk and reading manga. And uh, Baka is dumb from the chat. Thanks me for talking about Bartender. It's one of his favorite cult hits. I would say that it's an interesting anime. There's probably no other anime like it. Um, it. It didn't strike me as being particularly exciting. And I don't think most people will probably like it. But if you like alcohol and you're a fan of bars and the maybe the art of bartending, or maybe you are a bartender, you'll probably like. will think the anime is somewhat interesting. It's only eleven episodes, so. Yeah. Anyway, so um, but that's not what this episode's really about. <clears throat> so, this episode is this topic's broken down into, into a couple of different topics. So, into different subjects, and I was thinking about first, what kind of anime characters drink alcohol in anime? That's the first thing, right? I think the first thing that comes to my head is there's always that trash-talking, rough-and-tumble mom that's, like, seen, like, getting home. I'm, I'm thinking of one that comes to mind immediately is the anime Air, uh, the 1000 Summer. Right, so you have, and like... And she, she rides home on her motorbike or yeah. whatever, and she gets home, and she cracks a beer, lights and she... Lights up a cig. Lights up a cig, and she's, She pounds, know, like, two beers, and yeah. she's, she's divorced or whatever. She has no husband. Mm-hmm. Um, I also thought I agree with you, and I and I everybody every, everybody who watches anime knows Misako. Yeah. Or is it Misato? Misato. Misato, Misato from Evangelion. 
And I even know the song that they sing, that they play in that anime while she's pounding her beers. And I tried <laughs> to find it on online, but, but when I couldn't find it in 10 seconds, I got really lazy and gave up. Maybe maybe I'll put it in later. We know the uh, the limits of Mitsuki's laziness. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, and the, the next one I had here is, is one that I think Cram's very familiar with, uh, Yu Yu Hakusho. We yeah. Both, we both know that there's a pretty abusive mother in that anime. Yeah, she's kind of the worst. <laughs> oh, no. The worst, really? Well, she's she's a shitty mom, that's for sure. Yeah, she's she's that's that's what I mean. She's just kind of the worst, as in mother and human being. Um. Also, uh, Horo from Spice and Wolf is not a mom, but she's kind of the. She's. I've never seen that series, but I'm led to believe that she's fairly alcoholic. She drinks a shit ton of alcohol in that anime, and um. But she's also a god. She's a god, and so... her body is like massive when she's in her wolf form, which which would make you think that alcohol wouldn't have much impact on her. But she gets hammered as 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 the small cute like little as the small cute girl that that she is when she's human, and um, yeah, she's a she's definitely has some problems. <laughs> Isn't isn't the mother of the main character in uh, the Garden of Words uh, like kind of framed as a goofy alcoholic? Oh, she's so funny. She drinks a lot of beer. <laughs> I am not sure, Baby, but yeah. that it could be true. Surprise me. Also, the mother the mother in Hanasaku Itoha is, is has some problems, and the and the father in Clonad is a is an alcoholic. Actually, like a stated to be an alcoholic. Um, the main boy character's father. I think it's interesting how a lot of anime have these characters that, and and this would go back to our, our dissection of tropes that we did a while ago, but these anime characters where if they were in real life, they would really need help. Like they would have serious well, problems a lot of with them their do. families. I mean, like if you think about the families that these characters come from, the alcohol is sort of, I want to say it's sort of um, painted into this, into this dark corner in terms of family life where... Mm-hmm. When you have a when you have a parent that has an alcohol that has a problem with drinking, you oftentimes see like the child has problems too. Like Yusuke is 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 a delinquent. The mother, the the daughter and heir is very sick. Um, in Evangelion, she's not a real mother, but um, I mean, in in, in Clonad, the um, the main the main boy character is from a broken household. Yeah, I mean, you see it, you see it again and again and again, and I think that it's sort of interesting that 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 Japan and animators and manga con whatever have sort of adopted this take that maybe alcohol should be associated with is something that shouldn't be in the household maybe mm. i don't know maybe 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 i'm looking into that too much but it seems that i hardly ever see an anime where, with a parent that drinks a lot that has like a totally normal family life except for maybe my neighbor the amadas but he maybe cracks a couple beers in that whole movie and that's about it so i either think it's kind of that that mother figure drunken mother figure or the drunken badasses. There are a lot of drunken badasses in anime. It's like you don't see a, a, a magical girl like spinning around and then, oh, I'm going to have a beer. Like the cute one. I would love I would love <laughs> to see a magical girl that's a wine lush. <laughs> that would actually be fantastic. Be so awesome. <laughs> you know, a while back on the show, we talked about an, an anime of like the Golden Girls, the anime of a bunch of retired old women. I would love yeah. to have an a whole episode like them joining a wine club <laughs> and oh, being like awesome. winos. 
I just want to. I just want to see a show about a a girl who a woman who used to be a magical girl, but she's like in her thirties now. <laughs> her costume doesn't fit fit anymore. Her transformation she a lot of wine. doesn't happen. She drinks wine and waves her like magical girl wand, going, "When I was a magical girl, I could transform you." Or something. That sounds awesome. Anyway, that that does sound amazing. So the next character type type on the list is. Want to move down? Yeah, I already said it. Drunken badasses. That's what we were talking about. So I, I think that they sort of have also associated with alcohol with these characters that are just tough. Like mm-hmm. there's so many, there's so many more badass characters than there are uh, bad parents in anime. Yeah. So you have like Gene Starwind. She's so like you have like bounty hunters, pirates, gang leaders. I mean, it's the same in Western media though. Like, look at James Bond. I mean, I feel like people who don't even know what shaken, not stirred means know shaken, not stirred. Yeah, but even like, even more than Bond, though, because, like, let's face... More than Bond? I don't know that I've ever seen a James Bond movie where Bond has more than, like, one beer at the bar. And he, and he isn't even drinking half the time. He's too busy, like, like, like... He goes to the bar, and he's, he's like, watching somebody trying to follow them or spy on them, and he asks for the drink just to be in the right setting, but he's not, he's not pounding, like, a dozen beers. He's <laughs> James Bond, for God's sake. Yeah, but, I mean... <laughs> God, you, wait, this is going from Chiaki, from Chiaki, who's seen, like, three James Bond movies. <laughs> I've seen, like, four. I've seen Thank four. You. There's, like, 29 of them, but I've seen four of them. <laughs> Anyway, but think about the beginning of Outlaw Star, right? You have Gene Starwind. He's in the bar. He's trying to impress a bunch of chicks, and he's pounding beer. He's drunk as shit. He's pounding beer, and he, like, fights a cyborg in the middle of the bar and, like, rips its heart out and kills it right there in the bar. I mean, I'm thinking of another iconic bounty hunter, Spike Spiegel. Like, he... Spiegel? Spiegel? I think that's the appropriate way to pronounce it. I think I'm the weird one on that name. But, But he... I it's I know it's in the first five episodes. I don't think it's the first one. Maybe it's the first one. He's asking for what is it a, a prairie oyster? No, or the something? prairie oyster comes up late, late in the show, and that's something that help you recover from hangover. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, is that how does one get a hangover? You drink your ass off. You drink your ass off. So he had to do that. Good point. Good point. At some point. Um, another good one that I kept running into when I was looking into this was uh, Ryoko from Tenshi Muyo. Yeah, oh, yeah, I remember her. Her and uh, Washu, whoever, drink yep. their asses off in that anime. And, and, and Ryoko is pretty much a badass. The yeah. same type of classification as Gene Starwin. You know, they're pirate bounty hunter oh. types. I, I, this, this reminded me of Kitsune from uh, Love Hina. She's totally a drunk. <laughs> 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 and totally one of the funniest characters in that otherwise not, not so good show. Well, maybe there's a correlation there. There are so many mm-hmm. others also that I'll just run through quickly. Onizuka, biker gang member, drinks a lot in that anime. He's oftentimes stumbling around the street puking and things. Um, Berserk. There's so many scenes in Berserk where they're just like in a in like a tavern just slamming beers. Uh, Black Lagoon. There's quite a bit of drinking in that, in that anime also. Uh, in Full Metal Panic, Melissa is the main girl mech pilot in that anime, and she's a soldier, and she's a total badass, and she loves her beer more than she should. And I just think about an anime that, like, it seems like anime has been associated with certain types of settings and certain types of people. I mean, you hardly ever see, like, a, like a cute moe magical girl drinking a beer, and if they do, they have, like, two sips of it and get red and tipsy and fall over. 
Yeah, that happens. Yeah, that happens a lot. There's a, there's actually a, another type of character that is a, a drunken, not badass, uh, and that would include characters like Master Roshi, who's always drinking oh, yeah. beer, beer that they change the color of <laughs> in the American <laughs> version. Soda. And then there's also uh, Doctor Sato from from Yamato. Uh, he's he's the doctor of the ship, but he's constantly drunk on Nihonshu on on sake. And well, I think it's also—it's kind of funny because his name is Sado, and that's the Japanese word for sadist, and he's a doctor. Speaking speaking of Nihonshu and beer, let's talk about the kind of things that characters drink in anime. So we've talked about a lot of beers, so let's run down some of the more famous beers of Japan. And I'm sure, I'm sure Cram has never had a single one of these beers because he's just the pinnacle of of purity, purity, honesty, chastity. <laughs> Never, ever. <laughs> Sexiness. So the first one that I thought of when I think of Japanese beers that immediately comes to mind that I enjoy is Kirin Ichiban. And it, the Kirin is a Japanese magical creature and it's featured on the label of Kirin. And it is an American pale lager style beer. And I enjoy it because it's kind of light and... It isn't too heavy, and I think it has a good taste to it. And it's five percent alcohol by volume. Five percent. Keating's pretty good. I I, I recently switched from Keating for my like my basic everyday macro brew. uh, I switched from Keating to Ebis recently, Mm. and I'm I'm and I'm liking I'm liking that switch. Well, Ebis. That that's the one that Misato drinks in Evangelion, right? That's right. Uh, although they they, they change, of course, they change the label, and it's something like Yobis or something like that. Yo, yeah, well, yeah. Speaking, speaking of Misato, here we go. Oh, you found the music. All I right. Did. Now we have some beer music. Now you guys can talk. I was I was surprised to find that there is a smaller, less of a large company, but a a beer company called Preston Ale in Japan. It's an English pale ale style. It's brewed in Utsunomiya, but they have a Moyashimon line of beers. Moyashimon? Moyashimon. From the anime? I, have, I, have not, uh, I have not had a Preston Ale, but they sell them exclusively at a store called Joyful Honda. That's what I heard. I actually heard they had some brewing in Tsuchiuda, which makes me think of like, that's the third or fourth beer that I've heard of that's brewed in Ibaraki. So yeah, <laughs> what does yeah, that say weird. about Ibaraki? Ibaraki. Kind of this song is making yeah. me smile. <laughs> Special thanks to Astrophysics in the chat for finding the song for me. All right. What's another big famous beer in Japan, Cram? Well, there's Asahi Super Dry. Ah, uh, yes. That's I, th- I feel like that's the one, that or Keating is the one that people think of when they think of Japanese beer. And when I first came over here, I was so like, I, I was so spoiled on Japanese beer when I first got here because I'm like, oh man, all of their macro brews are good, and they're certainly much better than you know your average American Budweiser, right? Yeah. Um, but I've I've come to hate Asahi Super Dry. <laughs> really, I've, quite a lot. I like Kirin so much, and I've never gotten sick of it that I haven't really expanded out. But the the three mega beers that come to mind is, as you said, Asahi, Kirin, and then I think kind of those two are really close in the first and second, and they could swap for people. And then the third one I think would be Sapporo, which is a yeah. another Japanese rice lager, and all these are like five percent alcohol by volume. Chunky, I never knew you knew so much about beer. 
Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the rice lagers in general. Uh, Sapporo has a few good brews, a lot of which are um, are kind of seasonal, a limited release brews. Right. Um, but yeah, in general, I don't go for the rice lagers anymore. I used to. I again, I like my Keaton, so gold can, gold can. Mm. But it is surprising, as you said, Japan has very good beer, which I don't feel like people think about for that country. I think yeah. people normally when they think of Japan and alcohol, they think of sake. Yeah. And sake, I think, is interesting because for those of you who don't know, sake, the word or osake, if you want to add that formal-ish O in front of it, literally means alcohol in Japanese. What we call sake, at least in America, and I think in most Western countries, is actually what you're talking about if, if you're in Japan is Nihonshu. So if, if you say to a Japanese person, I want to drink sake, that could mean beer or spirits or Nihonshu. Um, we have a, ch- a question from the chat. Sure. Massive Banana Lodge writes, uh, asks, what would you compare sake to? What would I compare that? Yeah. Vodka? Um, yeah, I Maybe? guess. I mean, it's Maybe. clear. It's kind of just straight alcohol type feeling when you drink it. It's, 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 I think it's, it's a little, it's kind of like moonshine. It's yeah. a little bit like moonshine. It, it, it kind of is because it's a product of brewing and it's made from fermented rice. And even though people call it rice wine, that's a little bit of a misnomer because the, process to make nihonshu or sake as it's called in america is more similar to beer than it is to the process for making wine most sake is about 40 proof which i think is a lot weaker than people think it is Mm. i think people when they they get a glass or a bottle of sake they think again the the i'm drinking some like vodka stuff um, yeah, no, not quite. Not quite. I mean, it's strong. I'm not saying that it isn't a strong drink, but it's It'll not. get you drunk. <laughs> It'll get you there. Exactly. It can be served hot or cold, depending on type or flavor. I've heard people argue about whether it's supposed to be served hot or cold and back and forth. And I think the the most definitive thing that I've heard is just it depends on the type of sake and the flavor that it has, whether it should be served hot or cold. A lot of uh, another something that has come to me as common knowledge, I don't know if this is actually the case, is that cheaper, lower quality sakes uh, should be served warm because it can mask kind of the, yeah. the those aspects of lower quality sake. Uh, and then the really good stuff you should be able to serve cold. Yeah. I, I think I had kind of an opinion, I think, before I went to Japan and just before I learned about Japan, that cold sake was the weird American way to do it. And and it's not true or whatever, but I think it really just depends on the type of sake that you're enjoying. Sake it to me, baby. And and let me I just realized this, but let me just say it like this. We're saying sake because yeah. that's how you say it. Yeah, you don't say sake. Please but, don't say that. But for people who yeah, I, I, I I don't expect us all to speak Japanese. I know. Sake is such is a what? simple, such a simple short word, though. Yeah. When so. I when I hear people say sake in like a bar or something, I I close my eyes, and you cringe. I cringe. <laughs> I cringe. My whole throw bo- up a little in your mouth. My whole body seizes. It's like when I hear someone say karaoke, my whole body just cringes. I just seize up. I actually I went to a random liquor store here in America and I asked for sake, and they they knew that pronunciation. And I was like, good, no, for, good you. for them. Good for them. The bearded baka in the chat asks, "How do we prefer our sake?" <laughs> so, 
How do you prefer your and sake? I, and I responded with in my body. <laughs> <laughs> I think I generally prefer warm sake to cold. But mm. that being said, I, I might just go with Graham's answer. <laughs> like... You know. It's all good if it's inside me. Yeah. Um, oh, my. Wow, that, boy, that's a quote. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, uh, Baka is Dumb writes, uh, what about the thing where you drink sake in an onsen? Does that actually happen? Now, I have been to a bunch of onsen now. Um, mm. And if you're speaking about actually drinking the sake while you're sitting in the baths, no. that doesn't happen. You don't, you don't eat or drink anything. Yeah, not at all. But... When you get out of the baths, they oftentimes have or have an attached restaurant or vending machines or something that will serve you some kind of beer. I see people driving these people yeah. drinking lots of beer after they get out of the hot onsen. I don't know if this is true or not. Maybe it's just like wives' tale, but I feel like if it when you drink before, after, or in the middle of doing onsen, you get drunk faster because like your blood is more moving. I don't know more things are dilated in your body i don't know i don't know what i'm talking and about. Maybe uh, in well in every at, at i haven't been to i've only actually entered like the water of one onsen and the other ones that i know of are are the same way they don't usually allow you to bring alcohol into the yeah, bath they don't yeah uh because you can you can get lightheaded and pass out and drown yeah. if you're yeah. in there by yourself. And, and that's like, the same in every country. In, in hot tubs in America, they always have warning signs saying don't bring beer into the into the jacuzzi or whatever. Yeah. Now you now you can sneak it in, but be warned that when you enter the bath, you enter naked, so you're going to have to sneak it in in a very special <laughs> way. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or just know enough people to, you know, that make it okay. That's so right. cylindrical flasks. I recommend <laughs> cylindrical flasks. Nihonshu, there's a couple of characters that drink Nihonshu. I know a character from Naruto, right? Uh yeah, um Jiraiya, one of the, mm. the the one of the big Now, I've only seen the first Naruto, so you know, please don't jump on me for saying anything wrong, but he's like uh He's like one of the one of the most powerful characters in at least the first half of Naruto, and he is like the guy that has the huge frog that he can summon, and he trains Naruto for a while, and he always has like a giant bottle of booze with him. Seems like. Yeah. Anything else? From Naruto? Uh, not I don't really. know. Uh, Ice Shield Twenty One. There's a their coach. Oftentimes has a big uh, uh, bottle. Of, he has a bottle of sake with him that he drinks. Is hmm. it? kind of a boozer i know the making of nihonshu or what's commonly called sake is featured in moyashimon along with the making of awamori and awamori is i think if you had awamori and sake side by side probably i don't know cram i don't know if you'll agree or disagree with me but i think maybe the average westerner wouldn't be able to tell the difference no i mean yeah. I, I would I don't think I would be able to. Yeah, I don't know if I would be able to either. But awamori, the difference between Nihonshu or sake and awamori, awamori is unique to Okinawa. Of course, it's made and, and distributed everywhere now. But it's made from long grain rice and rices that came from originally from India. And it's not a product of brewing, but a product of distilling. So I actually think, wouldn't this be closer to moonshine than in 
I don't know that much about moonshine. I do. I'm from West Virginia. Do you? Yeah. Actually, actually I know nothing about it. <laughs> but, it's kind of gross. <laughs> <laughs> but this was also featured in Moyashimon. And unlike Nihon Shirasake, Awamori is way stronger. It's 60 to 86 proof. Wow. So. Um, uh, this is sort of timely, but the very first episode of the new season of Mushishi is all about a brewery. Oh. Um, oh, awesome. They don't go into the details of it of, of it all that much, but it is in there. Also, they feature some alcohol, some sake drinking in lots of different samurai anime. It's in Samurai X. Yeah. And I'm told that they drink quite a bit of uh, liquor in Samurai Champloo. I'm not sure if that's actually... I haven't seen that anime in years, and I can't really remember, but I'm told uh, that's yeah, true. Yeah, I believe Mugen drinks quite a bit. Maybe maybe Jin does, too. Um, so, if you... If you watch any like old school samurai anime, the chances are there will be some alcohol is alcohol drinking in I, there. I mean, according to historians, yeah. the first sake was made at least two thousand years ago, at least. Mm. So in someone's bathtub, probably <laughs> <laughs> the good way to make it. But awamori is made in clay pots for a mellow flavor, not in bathtubs. Maybe clay bathtubs. I think we should move the last along. the last alcohol type that I wanted to just mention is sochu, which I actually think I've I've heard it also as Korean. Maybe maybe I'm thinking of the it, wrong one. It is it is Korean. Yeah, uh, the the Koreans call it uh, soju and yeah. Japanese call it shochu. Shochu. Yeah. The reason why I brought this up is there the, a Vocaloid 2 character, Lily, is featured on a bottle of Mao Sochu Lily. I'm so unsurprised. In a courtesan costume. And it's a distilled beverage from barley, buckwheat, rice, or sweet potatoes. And it's normally 25% alcohol by volume. So, And this alcohol, I've had Sochu, and it's good. It's very good. Yeah, you do like it. Yeah. I do like it. Can it can be good. They actually back in the back in the old days before Japan got beer, um, they had this malt flavored beverage called hoppy, and they actually still sell it. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's a it's a like I said, it's a malt flavored beverage, and it's intended to be mixed with uh, shochu, so that you have like an, a beer like beverage. Mm. Um, they still sell it like you can still order it like at bars and stuff, and you can still buy the bottles of like non alcohol non alcoholic hoppy. And then mix your own shochu into it, but it's really gross. It's terrible. I just remember liking sochu when I was in Korea because it was strong, and you could get it for like two bucks. Okay, I got to yeah. move this on because the longer we spend on this topic, the less time we have to argue about kill a kill. <laughs> so let's move then. Well, so I think this let's is, go through some of is our, the best part. Uh, let's go through some of our uh, some of our invented anime drinks, and let's try to do it in less than ten minutes. Sure. My first invented anime drink was actually inspired by Kill a Kill. And I call this drink the Life Fiber. Ooh. And it's cinnamon vodka, grenadine, Sprite. And then, you know the, the Twizzlers that you pull? Yeah. You pull one of those and, like, twirl it up in the glass because in Kill a Kill they have the Life Fiber. Oh, that's, yeah, that's cute. Isn't that cute, right? <laughs> that's nice. That's good. <laughs> See, I'm so clever. That makes me happy. <laughs> Leave it to the artist to make something cool. So that was my first drink. Oh, and if you want to drink any of these cocktails, our recipes will be on our website posted with this podcast. So just please drink responsibly. Yes. And don't blame us if you have an accident. No. And don't blame us if these are nasty because I don't think any of us have actually tried them. Definitely not. So what what else else you got in here? Uh, My next drink is the Paralyzed Moe. Oh, Moe. Which was inspired by the Brunhilde and the Darkness episode. It's cake vodka. 
Bailey's Irish Cream, Kahlua, one scoop of vanilla ice cream, one small slice of cake, and three tablespoons of rainbow sprinkles. Blend together, adding oh cream or milk as necessary. Serve with whipped cream on top and garnish with more sprinkles and a cherry. Sounds like a dangerous drink. Barf. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, because, which is the reaction you should have when we when we mentioned Moe. Well, you know, Moe characters like sugary things, right? That sounds that sounds like diabetes. <laughs> diabetes, <laughs> you know, diabetes. Next, and then my last one is called the Apple of Fate Martini, oh. which was inspired by Moara Penguin Drum. It's green apple vodka, cinnamon sugar vodka, apple juice, and you serve it in a martini glass rimmed with cinnamon sugar and garnished with apple, if desired. Baka is Dumb says that we should make these drinks for our next drinking episode, which, again, as I said before, is going to be while we watch the live action of the My Little Sister anime. Which, they had a live action, which is going to be basically man. porno. So um, my, first an- my first drink is called the Bloody Moe. You Get would. It? Bloody Mary, Bloody Moe. You like uh-huh. that? So it's tomato juice, blood of a moe girl. How do you get what? <laughs> oh, yes. Stay away from me. Two lashings from the church of Mitsugi to remind you of the evils of moe. What? And one celery stick and spices. And this drink is officially sponsored by the church of Mitsugi. We, we, have, large, we have large containers of moe blood on hand. I have one very serious question that I think our listeners need to know. What is that? Will you be giving the lashings personally? No, I will not. We have special people that are very skilled in the use of certain instruments for I, that. I think you're going to disappoint some listeners with that answer. I'm very sorry to disappoint you. The we, next, need, we need some fan art of uh, Mitsugi as a dominatrix. Stat. Go. The next drink is called the, the Zatoichi. Um, it's a drink that's so stiff that it makes you blind. <laughs> Straight gin, roots of a gnarled tree from Aokigahara. <laughs> Mandrake root extract, or if you're a pussy, ginseng. <laughs> ice, ice, and a seeing eye dog to help you out. It comes. You with the mix dog. the dog into your. No, drink. no, no, no! It comes with the dog on the side to help you. I don't usually like dogs in my drinks. Well, if just let's see, if you go blind in a bar, I think you're gonna want to have a, something help you get home. So there's the dog for you, and I'm done. All right. Um, right. mine are, mine are really simple and stupid. One of mine is called the red data punch and it's inspired by red data girl. And that's fruit punch and vodka because she gets drunk on fruit punch and, and vodka in one episode. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, and then the you. other one that I'm a little proud of is called the berserk and it is equal parts, red bull, tequila, whiskey, and super pump max. Oh my God. Dear Lord. <laughs> I think that will kill you. <laughs> I think you have to worry about death if you drink that. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so um, I think that's the end of the topic. I think it I'm, is. I'm very proud of us for getting through those in four minutes. You know, so we try. So before we get to the news break, um, I, I, do, I do have a small confession to make about, the, uh, about last week, following up on last week with some of the anime-related items that we were talking about for our shopping spree. Uh-oh. Mitsugi broke down and purchased the $140... <laughs> Uh, Crest of the Stars anime sell. Oh my god! But but I will say that before I bought it, the 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 person who was selling them tempted me with an even perhaps an even better anime sell from Banner of the Stars two. 
it was the same price, and I was thinking about buying that one, but before I could do it, someone bought it. It sold within like six hours or something. It was the look. Wow. It, it was a full. The entire acetate of the cell was taken up with with Lafille's face, and it was the shot of her face when she hears that Jinto is dead. Spoiler. Maybe he's not dead. Maybe he is dead. We'll see. <laughs> that anime is so old. So that so that cell was so cool because it had like the emotion behind the image. But I went with the old school um, original Crest of the Stars cell, so I will I, w- I will get it framed and we'll display it proudly for you all when I uh, when I when I get it. So do you have a confession, Cram? I think you might. I do. I, I did. <laughs> I, I bought the Bessem thing. You bought the book. I bought the book. The girl is the only one who didn't buy anything. Wow. Man. I feel like you? I need to get on that. You guys spent irresponsibly why haven't i and 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 it and in and, and a completely unrelated um mention i want to say is that um this next coming week on puzzle dragons there will be the first ever oh, yeah. dragon ball collaboration with puzzle dragons where you can collect dragon ball characters i've already seen i want frieza uh, the the known villain characters you can get are, are are already frieza and you can evolve frieza through all of his forms and every single member of the ginyu force including captain ginyu um, Zarbon, Frieza's underling, and also the Cybermen are, are confirmed. Excellent. And this is coming out like in the next week. So by the time you hear this, it's probably already available. So, so if you download Puzzle Dragons right now, you can get ready for it and be our friends. All right. We're going to have another news break. And when we come back, we are going to have the much-awaited group review of Kill La Kill. I'm really interested to see how we all fall on this one. But first, we're going to take the news break, and during the news break, we'll have a poll. Are you old enough to drink alcohol in the country which you live? Yes, and I do. Yes, but I don't drink, which is cool. That's cool with us. And no, I'm not old enough. So, let us know. Hey everyone, this is Chiaki, and this is your Anime News Break. First up, for you Dragon Ball Z fans, you may have heard our review of Dragon Ball Z Kamitokami, or Battle of the Gods, when it was released in Japan a while ago. However, for those of you who have yet to see the movie and are eagerly awaiting it, Funimation has announced that it will screen Dragon Ball Z Battle of the Gods in over 350 theaters across North America on August 5th, 6th, 7th, and 9th. Those theaters have yet to be announced, but Funimation is currently working on the English dub for the film. In other news, for those of you who are fans of the Black Butler franchise, Aniplex has recently begun streaming a commercial for Black Butler Book of Circus television series this past week. The commercial confirms that the anime will premiere on July 10th on MBS and will also run on TBS, CBC, and BSTBS in Japan. Aside from the upcoming new television series, an OVA titled Kuroshitsuji Book of Murder is also in production. The OVA will be screened in Japanese movie theaters coming fall. In other news, the anime No Game No Life got into a little bit of trouble this past week when it used another artist's work. The artist's pixiv handle is Unicorn, or Ikajuku. Following the No Game No Life episode, they tweeted a picture of a magic circle used in the anime and their original Photoshop file, and yes, it is an identical 
image. The No Game No Life production committee did admit that it used the other artist's magic circle without permission in the anime's seventh an- episode, and it apologized to the artist and fans, stating that, the, that it would be more careful checking for rights so that the situation is never repeated. The Blu-ray and DVD release will include a corrected image. Another news for those of you who are Kill the Kill fans, or maybe after our review today, Anaplex USA has announced the English dub cast for Kill the Kill. It's also debuted the first dub trailer this past week. You can find the full dub cast online, but Ryuko Matori is, will be voiced by Erika Mendez, and Satsuki Kiruin will be voiced by Carrie Kenrin. Anaplex USA will be releasing the series in three versions, a limited edition Blu-ray DVD combo packs with soundtrack, the standard Blu-ray, or just a regular DVD. The entire series will be released in five volumes. If you want to get your hands on the first volume, it'll be out on July 15th and include the first four episodes with pre-orders opening on the official website this coming week. The limited edition first volume will retail for $75 US dollars or $60 US dollars in stores. Finally, for those of you who are fans of classic anime characters, the Shogakukan Sheisha Productions Company has recently announced an agreement with their subsidiary Viz Media for Doraemon merchandise rights in North and South America. Viz Media will become the master merchandise license for the anime property, overseeing the licensing and development of a new range of products, so maybe you can get your hands on a new Doraemon backpack easily here in America. This was Shiaki, and this was your anime news break. Don't go anywhere because we'll be back to the show soon. On a recent Otaku Spirit anime cast, we talk about the dangers of the drug known as figures. I'm starting with the gateway drugs, which are ninjoids. Uh, For those who don't know, if you want to get into figures, you start off with ninjoids. Uh, The the guy on the side of the street will say, hey dude, you want some ninjoids? (laughs) <laughs> He'd be like, I don't know if I should. Mom said I shouldn't do that. And he's like, oh, here's some ninjoids. And you're like, okay, just one. Just one. He, and you and you take that first one. You take it home. You open it up. And you start mismatching all the different little figure pieces. And then pieces, they look at you with that. And then they look at you and you're like, kawaii. And it's over It's over there. And then you start getting more ninjoids. Um, and then you start going to websites where they sell ninjoids, and you're trying to be careful not to get the bad stuff, the stuff that's from China. They make bad ninjoids. You start getting more and more of them, and then eventually you're like, I need the really good stuff. And then you start looking online, and you realize, this stuff's expensive. Hear more at otakuspirit.com. We're back to the final segment of the 229th episode of the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast. And what I think is safe to say, the main event. The main event. I do have but to don't say... don't pump it up too much because I don't want there to be too much disappointment. Well, you know. I, I have to say I wore pink and I wore my hair in pigtails in honor of Nui, which I may <laughs> or may not do a cosplay of. And everyone in the chat <laughs> is exploding with cuteness at your pigtails, I'm sure. Well, I don't know. I, I didn't spend a lot of time on them. but So before we get started on this review, I have one quick announcement to make. Um, oh, yes. You have something exciting. I've been talking with uh, Jamie Lynn Lano, who is who was the uh, the assistant mangaka artist for the Prince of Tennis manga. Mm-hmm. 
and she has a new book out, which is called The Princess of the Princess of Tennis: The True Story of Working as a Mangaka's Assistant in Japan. And um, we're supposed to interview interview her this coming week, and we will hopefully have that interview up and on and a sample of it up on the next podcast episode. So look forward to that next week. So, all right, I'm excited cool. for that. I'm that would be I'm I'm really excited for it. I'm so excited I can talk. All right, kill the kill. Let's 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 approach this clerically first. I'm I'm gonna try to lead us as much as I can. And keep everything structured. So Kill a Kill is a 24-episode series. It started what? If it's 24 episodes, that means it started fall? Mm. Fall of last year? Started, uh, yeah, I believe that's right. So Kill a Kill started fall of last year. It's, it's 24 episodes, and it's a Studio Trigger anime. So it was produced by the Trigger Studio. Uh, first episode was October 3rd, so yeah, it was fall of last year. And that also means it finished relatively recently. Finished what? I forgot. It currently has a manga that started at the same time with two volumes. It is an original story. So the anime is the first thing in the Kill a Kill franchise. There aren't light novels. There aren't mangas. There aren't games. There isn't anything. It's Kill a Kill is the original story, which I give it props for. Because I just normally give anything props for being an original story in this day and age. And there is an OVA that's scheduled to come out this year on September 3rd. Before I forget, we forgot to do the poll result. Oh, I'm sorry. That's my fault. Um, With 58% of the votes, um, are you old enough to drink alcohol in the country in which you live? Yes, and I do. All right. 58%. Well, excellent. The director of Kill a Kill was Hiroyuki Imaishi. I can has talk. He was the director for Dead Leaves, Gurren Lagann, Panty and Stocking with Garter Belts. He was involved in character design and animation director for Fully Cooly and was a key animator for Neon Genesis Evangelion. So he has, I'd say, some, some works under his belt. Yeah. <laughs> Just a few. So he's done some things that I think people will find notable. And I think people who are watching this, knowing that it's made by the same studio that made Gurren Lagann and the same director that was involved with Gurren Lagann. And also the same studio that did Little Witch Academia. Yes. I think that, well, I was just focusing on Gurren Lagann because I think we can see some similarities. Oh, yeah, between I think the so, two. for sure, for sure. Uh, guys, they, they also did Inferno Cop, so okay. let's not forget that. <laughs> More than a few similarities to Gurren Lagann. All right. <laughs> and interestingly enough, the, the writer for Kill a Kill is Kazuki Nakashima, and he's written scripts for Gurren Lagann. As well, so he was also involved on that. Which they, they took a lot of the staff from Gurren Lagann. A bunch, like a, a bunch of the team from Gurren Lagann came over. They and took a character from Gurren Lagann. They did. I'm gonna call that one right there. <laughs> Not that I'm complaining, because that teacher can take off his shirt with his glowing nipples all the time. <laughs> Miki Sugi. Oh, oh my I love God, him. I love God, him. God bless him. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I wanted, I just, I want that. I'm gonna bite my tongue in <laughs> that but but that character if you put a picture of him and a character and a picture of Kamina from Gurren Lagann side by side they're really close 
They're pretty close. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. And, and the affinity for bare chestedness only helps accentuate that. Mm-hmm. So, so I think that was staff. Do we want to move on to music? I think music is the next safest kind of ground that yeah, we could move on to. I think the to. music is pretty strong in the show, actually. Um, the music is done by Hiroyuki Sawano, who has done music for a couple of different things. He, uh, he did the music for, for Blue Exorcist, Attack on Titan, which people will flip out over. Oh, my God, Attack on Titan. Um, he did the music for um, the Gundam Unicorn and Sengoku Basara. Those are his biggest titles, I think. So, but probably Attack on Titan is the one that everyone's flipping out over. Yeah, I've been I've been wearing out this soundtrack. I've got the I, I purchased the first uh, soundtrack when it was released. I don't know if the second one's out yet, but um, yeah, I've got to say it's the it's, soundtrack is really really good. Very it's kind very of, strong. Uh, percussive and I mean matches the mood of the show, which is just constantly out of the gate, over the top, and driven. And I mean, percussive is really kind of the key word. And the only the only bad thing I could say about the uh, the music is the rap, <laughs> the rap verse that's in the yeah. middle of "Before My Body Is Dry." I, I, I think I, I get a little sick of the pretty rough. The "Don't Lose Your Way" song. She, they, they do play overplay that, every that a little. I'm not saying it's a bad song, but I do agree they do overplay that a little. I love, and I don't even think it gets enough love because the full version on the soundtrack is fantastic. Is the um. The Ryo Ryo Kiruin the the mother the mother's theme. Oh, Ragyo, yeah. That one. That one. I like that one. But to me there are three kinds of soundtracks out there. There's the the kind that take away from a show, the kind that don't really contribute anything but don't take away. And then there's the kind that I actually go out and listen to just to listen to, and Kill a Kill is the third kind. Oh, yeah. Because it has a really solid soundtrack. So. Yeah, it's good stuff. It is good stuff. It is good stuff. So I would definitely rate the music high. Yeah, I mean, it's got maybe f- five songs that are pretty solid. I'm including Don't Lose Your Way. I mean, I'm sick of hearing that song every episode, but it's still in the soundtrack, and it's yes. pretty good. I lo- I, Astrophysics I love how- got it. Blooming Crans. That's the name of the song, and I love that song. Within the show, like you talk about being sick of like how much they play that that particular song, and especially that one part of that one song throughout the show. Yeah. And they they make a point to drive that home when uh, when they're you know in the middle portion of the show when they're in Osaka and uh, Duko is running around trying to pick up the pieces of Senketsu and all that kind of stuff and they just keep playing Don't Lose Your Way over and over and over again every single time she comes into frame because they know that they're wearing the song out like I think there's a, a real and I think that kind of reflects with the rest of the show that there's a real self-awareness of of what they're doing and like these elements that they're using and uh, I pre- and you know definitely definitely an element of overuse that that they're aware of. I appreciate that you notice things like that, but that doesn't change that doesn't change my opinion of the use of the music. Yeah, I think it's I think it's great. I love it. Well, I, I think, think it's fun. I think the music's really good, but I every single time she she transforms, they play that song. It drives me nuts. I I I see both sides. I agree with you, Cram, and I and I agree with a lot of the show that Mitsugi asked me once as I was watching it because as as most of you know who are listening, I'm a power watcher. So I watched this entire show in the past 48 hours. So this show is really fresh for me. And 
there was at one point where Mitsugi asked me, and and not in like a, a hater way or anything like that. Most of just, the comments I made were hater comments. They were, but this wasn't. Um, do you think the show takes itself seriously? And he thought it did. At and times, I, I think it does. And I don't think the show takes itself seriously at all. I think it takes its core message seriously, like like what the the producers and the writers really wanted to say as its core message. But I think in the presentation, I don't think it takes itself seriously at all. So what do you think, Cram? Uh, I think that there's a, a distinction between something take a show taking itself seriously and being consistent. Yes, I think Kill the Kill is very consistent in what it's doing and the rules it kinds of sets up uh, and 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 the things that it wants to say. You know how little or much that may be, mm-hmm. but no, I don't think it takes itself seriously. And I think episode four is a good example of of the show being like, you know, yeah, we don't have a whole lot of money to play with, so what we're going to do is we're going to put it into a fun, funny episode to show you that we do have kind of interests that are outside of what the show is specifically talking about and specifically doing just so that we can have a little bit of fun. And I think the show is more interested in having fun than being like, listen, we're going to be we're going to be real serious because this is serious business right now. Right. The show is not serious business, not at all. I think so that kind of leads me to I think the show has two levels of what it's about. And and Mitsugi was that was another thing we were going back and forth. I, I about. want you to know that I totally agree with, with what with what you say it's about. I just when 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 you were postulating about and we were having that discussion, you hadn't gotten to the actual like true plot line yet. So I but, but, our conversation was a little bit confused. Well what I was gonna say is I think the show has two levels of what it's about. There's the message that the show is trying to say and then there's the actual plot, the vessel that the message is going out through. By the way, how much do we want to talk about the actual story? They don't really reveal the plot until like episode sixteen or seventeen. Well, so it's gonna really and it's well, sort the of plot, the- they reveal the plot in the, the first yeah. episode, but like the big secrets don't come out until the last act. Which I know, is, I, you know. That's what I mean. Like I don't want to blow well, the we'll, lid we'll off the anime. We'll have our, our spoiler E section, okay. maybe. So the story is about Ryuko Matoi, Matoi, who goes to this academy, and she's going to this academy because she's looking for the person who killed her father. And she believes that she will find them there. So... At this academy, there are these Goku suits, are what they're called, and they're different star mm. suits. Yeah. And your entire life is dictated, not just in the academy, but for your family and the town beyond and everything, is dictated by the number of stars you have. So there are no stars, one stars, two stars, and three stars. And we see, we catch a glimpse early in the show, I think it's... Uh, maybe episode five, maybe even as early as episode three of them trying to make something that's a four or a five star suit and a person can't wear it. And what these suits do is they're made of something called life fibers. And this early in the show, you don't really understand what those are, but they're kind of magical. They give you power. Let's leave it, leave it at that. And Mm. the stars are the percentage of life fibers sewn into the clothing. So 10% per star, right? 10% per star. So there are different levels of suits and the higher level people just can't handle it. Now, they also discuss how teenagers seem to have more of an affinity with dealing with these stars. And and that's why we have a school. That's a little bit later on, but I don't think that's a spoiler. And but there are people who can wear suits that are 100% life fibers and they're very rare. But of course, one of them is our main character, Duko. 
And the other one is kind of our original antagonist, Satsuki Kiruin. And uh, Ryuko finds a... I forgot what they're called. Do you remember what they're called, Cram, when they're made of 100% life fiber? They're, they're called it's a special name. Kamui. Kamui. That's what it is. The, the Kamui... Ryuko's Kamui is called Senketsu. And it kind of has a mind of its own at that. Yeah, point. It talks to her. It talks to her. She she names it Senketsu. Yes, yes. And basically, well, maybe it doesn't rape her, but it sort of looks like he's it's raping her in the beginning. Yeah, I think that's strong. Maybe. Well, the anime has proved itself later to not really have too much of a problem with that, but. Well, so we'll talk about that later. Her blood activates Senketsu, and and. She merges with Senketsu, and later on, she becomes a better synchronization with it. And it's like she vampire goes clothing. On, she goes on this quest to find out the killer of her father, who has this other half of a scissor blade. Right, scissors are very very popular nowadays in anime. They are actually it's very odd. That's what I see as the plot. Do either of you disagree with that? That's no, that's no, that's it. Okay, that's the plot until maybe halfway through. It starts to change a little, but well, I think the mm. plot still remains around her finding her her father's killer and then expanding upon that of figuring out the truth around these life fibers. I right. I, I sort of her her goals certainly change as a character over the course of the show. Yeah, I will say that as a person watching the anime, you will probably forget that she's even looking for her father by like the fifth episode. Oh, I disagree. Well, you watched it all I in one so. sitting. I disagree. Well, I I mean, it becomes so much about her kicking kicking Satsuki's ass, pretty much. I mean, that I've, in fighting her minions, that they don't mention. She doesn't. She hasn't mentioned looking for her father on a regular basis after the initial. I don't. I don't think this is a spoiler because it's still in the first half, and this is a long series, so it is a twenty-four. But when Nui Nui comes in around episode nine, ten, something like that, and Nui is the Grand Quartier of of this Kiruin company that Satsuki Kiruin belongs to and whose mother Ragyo Kiruin owns. And, of course, it's the play on the French, like someone who makes dresses and things like that. And Nui comes in and... I will, I will try to keep it spoiler-free. Has information regarding Duko's father's killer. Right, sure. and, yeah, you could put it that way. And she sort of, <laughs> sort of dangles that in front of uh, Yuko, I think. And so I think there you go. I mean, right even at episode, you know, ten or so, that it's still about her. Oh, see, but you missed. See, but you missed my point because my point was that in the first couple episodes, it's very much about her finding her father's killer. And you just said in episode ten, Nui comes in, and I'm like, oh, but there's seven episodes in there where all she does is fight. Where all she does is fight the 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 elite four and then fight other people and but still, fight club members. At that members. point, she sees she sees Satsuki as either the killer or the person who knows about that's the killer. Fine. And Satsuki's even said, "I have information that's, for you." That's fine. I'm just saying that that it isn't like the it isn't like the beginning of the anime is her looking for her father's killer the whole time. It's no, just, it's not. It's mostly fighting. So so that's what I see as the general plot. Now here's what I think Kill a Kill is actually about. Okay, bring it on. I think the message of Kill a Kill is that. Society wants to pigeonhole people and these large corporations want to turn people into cogs in society. And one of the easiest way to do that is literally with the clothes you put on. When you put on clothes, you assume a role. Like if you put on a suit, you're part of the corporate structure. If you put on a school uniform, you're part of the school structure. And 
and because of what you wear, it changes how you think and how you conform to society. And I think the whole anime is about how clothing affects us, our relationship with each other, our relationship with society, and how it sets us apart from base beings that we are, quote unquote, underneath our clothes, our true naked selves. I think that's probably spot on. What do you think, Cram? Um, I, I mean, I think what the show has to say is pretty simple, actually. And it's a, I, I think it's probably a lot simpler than that. It, it's really just about... Um, conformity and not even about like the the clothes not not only about the clothes that you wear but conforming to any kind of group in any kind of way um to say that it demonizes corporations for uh kind of propagating a you know a a culture or a class system based on the kinds of clothes you wear would would mean that the show is interested in demonizing corporations in some way. And I don't think it is. It, it very much uh, is interested in demonizing individuals within the show for, uh, for propagating it's, ideas I, I kind of that dis- are very much against, you know, well, I mean, the, to me, the show is very, very clearly about, uh, about not conforming, about being an individual. And I think I, it's about individualism. I think you're both saying the same thing and, and I, some ex- to some extent. And I do agree. I think I think we're close to, to being on the same page, but I definitely think, I mean, one of the main quote-unquote villains is the Keto Ink Company. And yes, yeah, it's shown as, as run by a person. A but, crazy lady. A crazy lady. But I definitely think that's seen as a villain. And I also, I don't think that it was just happenstance that these quote-unquote covers that the company uses are in the forms of suits. I don't think that's just happenstance. I think that that's well chosen. And then all the discussion about how how Japanese school uniforms came from military uniforms and how the school rules are law and things like that. I definitely... Yeah, I agree with conformity, but I do think there there is a bit more with with companies and the industries or the people even who get to write the rules on how that conformity is crafted. In the end, but in the end, like the the show is so obviously not interested in the company because in the end it has nothing to do with corporations. It has to do with an external force that, um, without spoiling it, it has to do with an external force that no one would see coming. No one can see coming. It's not anything that anyone has to deal with in reality. But so that external force is teamed up through that company. Yeah, it is. But then the company becomes irrelevant and it's all about the individual who's running that company and, you know, her kind of focusing the, this external force because she believes in it. it, it I mean, it's more I, I think it has not that it has anything to say about this, really, but I think it has more to say about like uh, uh, cultism and things like that and kind of blind right. faith and believing in, right. you know, you know, like the Heaven's Gate people. <laughs> like that. I, I think you're both right. I mean, in, 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 at the end of the day, the corporation is selling the clothes that allow you to conform. Yeah. So I think that what what you're both saying are both both fit into the realm of society, you know, bending people to its molds or conforming to to society. You're both saying the same thing. You're just getting you're getting caught up on syntax yeah. or something. So. But yeah, I mean there there are some light criticisms of the fashion industry in there, but I think that there's that that in a very simple way and I think that's what what Imaishi and and you know his crew are probably wanting to go for more than anything is the simplicity of one message that is hey be yourself and it, it doesn't it doesn't have to be anything more than that like I think that's one of the show's strengths is that it's not anything more than that so so where do we go from here I um I have plenty of things to say about the show that are going to inst- they're going to be very instigative 
<laughs> so we could either do that or we could do something well, else. Well, well, things things that I like, like, let's talk about the characters. Like, I think that, um, okay. for one, I, I basically love all of the characters in the show. Uh, I think that they're all, and one of the things that is, is really, um, people touted as being a super like feminist show or whatever, you know, and other people say that it's not a feminist show. They think it's a misogynist show. <laughs> and I think that there are arguments to be made on both sides of that issue. And I think that also proves that the show is kind of neither. I think mm -hmm. the show is just happens to have uh, really awesome, great, varied characters with uh, clear motivations that don't have anything to do with sexual orientation or anything. And they just happen to be women. I think that and that that's if that's feminist, if that's, you know, political by its very nature, then so be it. But uh, I, I think that's another strength of the show is that it just happens to have characters that are women. I don't think that it's feminist. And I mean, and I think that to me, when writers tend to tend to lean on things like being feminists, you tend to see that throughout like a lot of their work. And I think most of the staff also worked on Gurren Logon and that anime definitely wasn't feminist. And. Sure. I don't. I don't no, think. I agree. I don't. I don't, I, think, I don't so. think the show is interested in being political. But if you're going to give it a political reading, then yeah, sure. I you know I think that it's to its benefit that it happens to have those characters. Like, I think that that the characters are overall very interesting. I think most of them are fleshed out nicely. I will say the character Mako. I think will Can have burn a hell? lot of opinions. Can burn in hell, right? I will say for the first 10 episodes, I really wanted to put her in a wood chipper. Mako, Mako, Man really? okay. Mako Mankan Shoku is, she's probably I, my least favorite anime character ever. I, I, That's hilarious. I, I, I think that, I, I can't think of a single anime character that I've ever seen, including the Lucky Star characters, K-On characters, characters from like Rio Rainbow Gate. I, I I, there is no character in anime that irritates me more than her. I think she's... It's, it's easy. I think she's dumb. I think she's comic relief for the sake of being comic relief half the time. And then she gets put in there the other times because it's convenient to have someone who's close to Yuko. But I will say, I will say that around halfway through the series, I don't like her. But I will say that Yuko's affections for her and appreciation of her made her grow on me. So I don't know what that says about Yuko as a character or Mako as a character or the writing. But, but by the end of the series, I didn't want to feed her to a wood chipper anymore. You want to know how much I don't like this character? Just you talking about her is making me angry. I'm sitting here, I, I'm, I'm sitting well, here and I'm shaking my head. This is this is this ought to piss you off. I love Mako. Oh, I already I know that. She, I think she is a brilliant character. I think she's so well written and so funny, and she she can not only be what she needs to be for Duco in the last half of the show, uh, in that kind of showing her that family doesn't necessarily mean blood, but it can be blood, and it doesn't have to be blood. But hey, who cares? It doesn't matter. We can all just be friends, and that's good enough for us. She she represents that you know Yuko's link to that kind of uh, kind of affection that she needs in her life, but then she also plays like this weird kind of role as as the like the chorus in a classic uh, 
Greek play, like where she kind of steps oh, out and does a soliloquy. He steps out of the narrative itself and does like her little, you know, when the Hallelujah chorus starts playing and she does her little hand motions and all that kind man, of crazy man. stuff. I and hated that, man. See, she, I love that stuff. She, I, to me, that that stuff is so like this is information we have to get across. So we're going to get it across in the most efficient, uh, funny way possible so that you've got the information and we can just move on. Like we don't have to dwell on it. There's only one character in anime that I can think of. That's more hyper and irritating than that. Maybe more irritating than Mankanshoku and Mako. And that's Excel Excel from Excel Saga. She, all, all she does is scream and bounce around and be like an unanimated cut cookie cutter thing that like slides around on the screen and scream some more and have her like boobs fly out and scream some more and get hung upside down by her skirt and just oh my god she, she has no there's no point in the anime there, there, there might be a total of three minutes when she's on the screen where she's not screaming or flailing her arms or throwing food or I think I the thing for me it. with this character is and I get what you're saying Cram and I do agree I do agree that she serves that role as like the here's the information we're just gonna give it to you this is the most efficient way but for me it was one of those things that her other actions in the show are so corny and they're so stupid and they're so over the top that it makes me care less about everything that she has to say even in those moments that I should care you know what I mean, I, I can see that, but I feel like the whole show is that way. Like, I don't feel like Mako is is this weird, out-of-place thing in the show. I think she belongs in this universe. Like, there's nothing... Oh, she does. You know, she she doesn't just pop up and be like, oh, here's something that just totally doesn't belong. She absolutely belongs, and I think the way that she acts is just on one end of the, of the spectrum that Kill la Kill kind of exists in. I think for me, it's just so far on the end of the spectrum for the, the universe that I... For me personally, the universe would be better without her in it. Okay, I agree with the chat. Let's move on. All right. I kind of want to talk, because you mentioned the cookie cutter thing, and I need to get this off my chest. Okay, so this goes back to the music too, right? Because we're using songs over and over again. This anime is terribly underfunded. I think so. You're going to say the same thing. They don't have a whole lot of money. That's true. This anime is ugly it's yeah man this anime is straight ugly. i think i think it gets less ugly as it goes on though okay hold on all right so you're you're saying ugly but you should qualify that how do you mean it's ugly you mean that sorry sorry i'm I'm so excited i'm so excited chiagi's giving me this look like she's gonna rip me in half Qualify what you're saying by it's ugly because there's a there are tons and tons of levels that you know the show is working on visually that you know go ahead but yeah. I think the average animation for the show looks from style to actual animation looks cheap and poorly done. I think that some of the things that they do for emphasis, like their still frame images, are not attractive looking. And I think that some of the things that they do to save on their budget are so downright offensive. I would rather watch a flash animation from the early 2000s on Newgrounds and probably find (laughs) higher quality. And you want to know what else? This is supposed to be like an action anime, right? But most of the time, the action in the anime is like... It's reused. It's Dragon Ball Z level... Like, there's so many, there's probably a total of 25 minutes in this anime where they took three different, anim, three different like, frames and just looped three frames over and over again where she's, like, spinning her sword, like, for six seconds or 
everything in the show and the action is just reused anima- animation because there was no budget and it, it gets touted high over the mountains for how exciting and action-packed it is but except for the scene in osaka where they fight and there's like a couple cool shots where they where she hit where satsuki hits and hits ryuko and she flies like like through the air or like at the end of the show where they clearly had a lot more effort put into the fighting this anime's action is bad and oftentimes and oftentimes in my opinion cheesy and stupid there's nothing worse than watching someone fight with like a tennis racket or a tuba or like a sewing pin. I mean, it's just it's ridiculous. I did think the sewing pins were kind of creative. But come on, I mean, I'm honest to God, the guy, what's his name, Gamagori, has a he's a ball gag masochist who whips himself. You couldn't I mean, things talk like with that a ball ridiculous. gag in your mouth. I'm just gonna put that out there. And that stuff makes me so angry. Not as well as he spoke. But it, but okay. the, the action scenes look terrible. They're bad. All right. So the show, we we know the show doesn't have any money. We know that they're working with a limited budget, and I think you know that that's fine to say that the frame rate is low and the action isn't smooth and you know silky like butter as as it could be if they had like a gajillion dollars to put into their first ever original television animation project, which would be a ridiculous thing to expect from them. But uh, I think that as far as art design goes uh, and color design and character design and all of the things that go into and I think what people mean to say when the show has exciting action scenes is that it is blocked in such a way that you've got people who are storyboarding these scenes that know how to frame action they know how to convey action without actually conveying action like and that's something that you can't say for shows that really don't have any budget and don't have any creativity behind them where you know they just recycle the same you know effect over and over again and just you know put their characters in the middle of the frame or whatever the shots in that are used the shot choices in uh in kill a kill are used so that it can convey action without actually moving and i understand that i understand what you're saying but there was a point I think, I don't know if they got more money or if this was just how they managed their budget, but I think around halfway, the show started looking better I think so on too. the whole. Well, Osaka, they right? Had, and they, had other, they had other studios helping them with it after the halfway point. Okay, so I think the show started looking better after halfway. But before that, I actually had a comment prepared and I, and I scrapped it sincerely, but it's still in my head. I actually had a comment prepared that it was one of the best manga I've ever watched. I mean, because that's how much I felt like the show. Like, I felt like it was cutouts. They moved across the screen. And the thing is, I get they didn't have money and I get that they had to make it stretch. And I get that they did it in very creative ways. But I would have rather seen this show as a 12 episode show. I sort of disagree. I mean, I, 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 with the fact that this is like their first foray into having an original anime. I mean, this a lot, a huge portion of the staff that did Kill a Kill also worked on Gurren Lagan. And I know. I know that it's that that the staff's not completely the same, but um, and I know that the that the studio is different, but um, Gurren Lagann was a, was the end the, the anime for Gurren Lagann came out before the manga did. I just checked that because I wasn't sure. So yeah, the Gurren Lagann anime came out and well, it came out like a month before the manga. I did, think so. I think Cram's point is that this is Trigger's first original anime. Yeah, but it's not the it's not the orig- first original anime for most of the staff. No, so I'm but, surprised no, it's that not, like, but, but you the have, staff you doesn't have get to, the money. The studio right, does. You, right, exactly. You have to get funding for your project based on the clout that your and the reputation that your studio has built up. It's not you can't. I mean, I'm sure that they tried, but you can't just walk into an investors meeting and be like, "We got this guy, and he's really cool, and this 
other guy is really cool, so Doesn't give us a happen. whole bunch of money. See, I, I'm, it, I, I mean, that's I, how they would have to do it. But most of the time, Gynax, you know, struts into a meeting, and they're probably like, uh, "We're Gynax, so well, I'm, yeah." I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna claim to know anything about how Japanese companies deal with like how funding is received, but that kind of crap happens all the time in in other in, in other industries. I mean, you can, I mean, you can get funding for a project just by having a certain person involved. In, in like in a lot of different countries. So I mean, I thought that maybe the fact that Gurren Logon was really successful, everyone likes that, right? So I mean, you would think that they have that manpower. So I feel like the thing for me is that in watching this series, I really feel like it could have been really strong as thirteen episodes. I think if it was thirteen episodes, it could have been perfect. Maybe because I, no, maybe I don't. I don't think so. I think it would have felt rushed. I, I, think, I think everything that happens and the and the things that the show is trying to convey, like in its homages and all that kind of stuff, it's it feels really, really even and tight. And I love that the first chunk of the show is like a shonen show, and then the next part of the show is like a collecting the Dragon Balls, but they do it in like ten seconds. Like when she has to pick up the pieces of Senketsu, whereas another how how long would it take uh, Inuyasha or uh, one of the Dragon <laughs> Dragon Ball series to collect all of the things that you need to continue the story. Right. Well, later Nico does it in ten seconds. Well, later on like, in Dragon Ball, it doesn't take very long. <laughs> they they do it in like an afternoon. And, and yeah, I, they've done, and they've done it in the movies before. But like the show is, it's specifically wanting to say those things. Like, listen, we're going to do a recap episode, but just kidding, the recap episode is done in one minute flat. So, like, I mean, like, it knows exactly what it's doing, and I feel like each chunk of the show is important in getting across those the homages that they want to get across and kind of the vibes that they want to get across and they're threading the characters through lines through all of these episodes in such a way that it all feels really tight and compact i think it i mean it's a great 24 episodes to me i I, think it feels really tight i will say i think the storytelling progression was good in that this led to this led to this which kind of foreshadowed that you know i think all that was good but for me Episode four could have been basically outright removed. I think the the battles with the four um, what was head episode guys, four again? Uh, the you're going to be late for class. The obstacle obstacle course. Um, thing, yeah. That could have been basically the only important thing for that episode was to get across the fact that Yuko was the only is the only one who can wear Senketsu. And mm. and I think everything else could be removed. I think the the battles with the four leaders could be condensed. I don't need as much backstory as I have on those it, them. It didn't make me feel any closer to them as characters. I think speaking of the episode before that with that one leader who is in the car, I think that could be removed. I think that the final fight, the final battle, I was like on episode 20 or so and I was literally like, do I have to watch the last two episodes? Because I just felt like that fight dragged on and on and that's on. interesting because like to me i thought that the second my honest opinion is that i think the second half of kill a kill is really strong um starting with the starting with satsuki and and yuko's fight in osaka i thought the anime was much better i mean the first half of this anime if, if i were if i were just to talk about the first half of the show by itself it's it's one of the most irritating animes i've seen in years like i absolutely hated this anime so much so that Cram and I were just talking about having this gigantic war on the on the podcast cuz I was like I was just I was angry that I even had to watch it for the first half to me it was so irritating to me and but the second half of the show is really good so I think that the pacing for me it was a huge issue in the first half of the show I don't really feel like 
I don't think that the, I don't think it moved very well. It was a lot of one-shot battles. We had so many single, singular fights in the first half of the show, and the setting was almost all, always just taking place inside of that arena. Um, and then the second half of the show was so much better um, that I don't, it's, it, it is really apparent that they picked up some some more assistance. I think that I didn't think the end. I didn't think the end of the anime was actually slow at all. The ending fight. It, that was it dragged for me. I, episodes, episodes like nineteen to twenty-four. I was really it, ready to be could done. Could it be that you were on, you know, like a forty-eight hour every single episode bender, and you know, the last episode is like, come on, I'm done watching TV. No, I don't. I split it out over two days, so that really and and I power watch. This is what I do. This so, is who I am. I'm a badass. Well, I don't mean it like that. I just mean this is how I choose to consume my anime. So I'm used to watching it this way. Well, I thought the ending fight was fine. I mean, I the first it was, half to me doesn't feel like it feels to you guys. Though, like yeah, I, I, I don't. I, I see that even someone in the chat. Uh, who was it? Um, Icy Rose. Uh, Icy Rose says that the first half has a lot of padding. I don't think it has all that much padding. I think that you get, you know, the stuff that Chiaki was saying. She feels like could be removed, like all of the backstory with the Elite Four and stuff. Every bit of that stuff comes back in the last half of the show with the theme of family that that they're driving toward. And if you don't know these characters, all of that falls flat. Like I felt like by the time the show was done, I felt like I knew all of these characters. You felt like you them. knew the characters after like two minutes of a flashback. I don't know. Well, yeah, it, it didn't work for me. They also they also they also instigated my pet peeve like four times. They'll have they're in the, right in the middle of a fight and then magically we have like a six minute flashback man that's a drives well, me I mean, nuts i mean the, it's it's not just about those two minutes they're not trying to build a character in two minutes and be like okay you care about them now it's that you with those flashbacks you understand the motivations of each character so that from that point forward you, their actions make sense to you otherwise they're just doing stuff at random and that's a big problem that anime has is just having characters do stuff at random and think that that's character development but if you don't understand the goal the individual goals of characters then they're not characters you're not building on anything you they're just doing stuff and i understand so, that i just think that for me for me, what that felt like in this show was just a, we need to have this, so we're going to put it in and that's just going to be good enough. And I would almost rather just not have it with how little amount of time that was spent on. In fact, it almost made the relationship feel cheaper to me between um, Satsuki and these Elite Four because I was like, this isn't, you have this really thin reason of why you're drawn to her and you're taking punches in the face for her i, I wonder if maybe Ch chiaki you're saying that the anime tries to do too much i mean there's so much stuff in this anime and we haven't even talked about the sexual stuff yet and we have to talk about that there's no way this review can finish well, without talking about i was that. i was actually gonna say why don't we head a little bit into spoiler territory well, okay so just 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 let me finish the point sure, i was making sure. so we've already talked about how the show is about conformity now we're talking about how it's about family and we haven't even gotten all the sexual stuff in the show yet, which I don't even know what purpose it serves, but the show tries to do so many things, and I think maybe you're saying that they didn't have enough time for, all, for each individual aspect, and so maybe you thought it was just kind of tossed in there lightly. Uh, maybe, maybe that's what you're saying. Maybe, maybe it's not so much time, but just I'd rather see it more targeted. But, but Cram mentioned the, the motivations of the characters, and this starts to get into spoiler territory, so here's your warning. Woo, woo, spoiler alert. The motivations That's very of, effective. you know, 
the motivations of Dagyo Kiruin, uh, Satsuki's mom, I don't really get her motivations. I don't either. I mean, like, it's, I, I get, I, I know I, what she's I, trying I, to I'll do. Are we doing spoilers now? So, I, I went woo woo. Woo so. woo. So, but, I mean, basically, like, she's trying to help the life fibers spread throughout the entire planet so that they can come to life and cover the planet in the, in the life, in like a life fiber film or whatever. And then, right. the, then the planet, I mean, it, it the ends planet, up, it ends up being an alien invasion story. Like right. the life fibers are aliens. The planet will explode and that will, sp- and that will propagate the spread to other planets. But I mean, I didn't really understand why Dagu was doing it. Like I know you might say, Oh, it's cause she's a corp. It's her corporation or something. But like, I mean, it's that, but it's that cultist thing that I was talking about uh, earlier. It's that the the mentality of cultism and uh, Nagio thinks that if she is part of it, because she has got life fibers woven into her very being at this point, like her hair is made of life fibers, all the rainbows and stuff in her hair, which I think is just fabulous. I do too, uh, actually. <laughs> she is she is a pretty cool uh, character. I, th- yeah, I think she's pretty great. I think she's um, a fantastic villain. I'll say that. I, do, I think she's a I, fabulous villain. I do too, villain. because she's really, I mean, she's, you hate her. But you can't help but like her. Like well, there's something her. about her. I think because um, she's she's pretty, you know, evil. <laughs> she is, but she's not irritating. She but scream. I think that her goal. I, I think for me, her goal is pretty clear, in that she feels like if she's part of this, it, it's it's like uh, it's like being on the the winning side of a war. If you feel like if you join the the winning side of a war, then you know you're you're the the good guy, or you're the the hero of your own story, or that maybe that she will become immortal in that you know her essence in life fibers will continue and spread to other planets if she helps the life fibers take over Earth. You know, I, I think it's kind of pretty standard bad guy kind of stuff but it's not uh, it's not invisible to me like i can see what she's doing i didn't i just didn't understand her as as much as a character but but i i can kind of see that it wasn't to the point that i was like oh she's completely unbelievable and i hate her like i just i i felt she was the weakest out of all of them with her reasons for doing i, things. I don't want to get pulled back into the into, into talking about the characters and i also don't want sure. i also don't really want to spend a whole lot of time talking about the, the what the the plot resolution or whatever. Yeah. We only have about, we only have like 10 more minutes for this. And oh no. we haven't talked about the sexual stuff at all. Yeah. That needs it's, to be addressed. It's all over the anime and I don't even, sure. I don't understand the purpose of the sexual stuff. So there's clearly a line and a difference between the sexual stuff where, you know, Yuko's every single time she transforms, we see basically see her breasts and her ass and her vagina, even though it's covered up and they take, they go out of their way to like, having Yuko like hanging by her suit and her flat out her titties are just hanging out there and everyone in the crowd gets a nosebleed and they'll hang Mako upside down and you see her panties and her like basically half her boobs and the show takes a lot of opportunities to show the the naked bodies of the girls and that's a completely separate issue than the two basically two maybe rape scenes where Dagu sort of definitely is the first time rape? I can't uh, remember the scene well enough yeah, to remember. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think. In yeah, that she never says, n- she the doesn't second ever time, say no. The but. second time it's something like rape because Satsuki's t- chained up and she's like fingering her. This is now a hentai episode. Right. I, 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 had a, I had a real problem with the direction of that scene. Uh, in, in thinking about it, you know, going back and thinking about that scene in particular, I, I don't think it, it doesn't, 
not make sense or anything. It's not like, you know, why would Ragyo do something like this? Because what's the first thing you hear about like sexual abuse of, of children is that it's not about sex. It's about power. power yeah. Right? And that's absolutely what, what Nagyo is all about. She's about power. That's clear. So I don't think it doesn't make sense for her character. Um, and I, the only thing that I think doesn't really make sense about the scene is the direction of how Satsuki kind of takes the abuse. Right. Um, because it, they really kind of turn it into a yaoi scene, you know, where, or your yuri, yuri rather. They, they kind of turn it into a yuri scene where, um, where Satsuki seems to enjoy it. Like, not enjoy it, but she's obviously like receiving sexual wow. pleasure. Does she she's not, not have an orgasm? Drawn. I'm pretty sure she has it's, an orgasm. It seems like she does. And I think that comes down to the direction of the, that particular moment. And I think that's really, for me, maybe the only misstep in the entire series. Um, I guess from a from like a not even thematic viewpoint from like a character building standpoint because I don't think it makes sense for Satsuki in particular. Um, but yeah, like there there's a lot of fan service in the show. I, a whole I, bunch. I can't I, understand why it's in there. I don't understand the purpose because the rest of the show doesn't seem like it cares about that stuff at all. I don't know why is there violence in it? Because it's anime and it's about fighting. I don't know. Uh -huh. I, I uh, think I mean, the... What does that even mean? Like, are you, are you saying that it's like the violence in the anime is just as acceptable? The fan that like having people well, getting raped and having like titty, like cheap shots at vaginas and titties is the same as having like violence? Because see, I, I don't think, I don't think the right. shots are all that cheap. I think the show actually goes out of its way to not do the voyeuristic stuff uh, to the point that you'll even see shots where a camera... Because the camera never feels like it's sneaking up on characters and saying, oh, we shouldn't be here. We shouldn't be looking at this. Oh, look, she fell on the ground, and now we can see her panties because she fell down, and we're just going to happen to put the camera here. In fact, I remember specific shots where something like that happens, and there's a leg or something in the way of panties so that you don't see them in those more voyeuristic-type well, moments that another show would take advantage of. That might instead, be true. Instead, this show takes a much more kind of on-the-nose, uh, matter-of-fact uh, stance about it. It says... Yes. Yeah, we're going to show you some titties. Here they are. Yeah, but Here why are the do that? Like, Here I, are the, I understand. I agree with you. I fully agree that they're being very obvious and upfront about it, but I don't think that makes it any better. I mean, well, how do you I mean, feel, Chiaki? I don't know why. I don't. Why do you think? Why is it bad though? Like, I, I think they they do it to the guys too, and sort you know, of. they it runs the gamut from like being comedic to being obviously, you know, intentionally titillating. But you know, it's to me, it's no different than like having a Bond chick in a movie that you know wears a bikini and comes out of the water in slow motion and shit like that and we don't talk about well, how awful okay it is that well, they're showing a bond girl people pe people have been talking about how bad that is for years in bond movies i don't i don't well yep yeah, i don't bond know that it's any better because they kind of focus on on the female form in an objectifying way but this show at no point objectifies its characters in a sexual sense it says yeah they're wearing skimpy clothes here they are in their skimpy clothes. That's it. It's not about, you know, victimization and it's not about voyeurism. It's just they have tits. Here they are. Check them out. How do you feel about it, Chiagi? You're a girl. I think it's it's way over the top in this show. They even make a point about peeping toms and to pull down pants and show panties a lot of the time. And and I get what you're saying, Cram. I get it. It's not in that like creepy camera up skirt. Like you feel like you're the person who's like hiding in the bushes or at the bottom of the stairwell looking up. But I I would have rathered less of it because it took away from the show for me. 
to have that much. And it doesn't, it doesn't take away for me though. Like you can go on, but I don't think it, it takes away anything to have that. Like it's not, it doesn't, does it offend you? Does nudity offend you? No, it's not. It's not about the nudity. It's just the way it's handled because I feel like it's almost like a, oh, well, we're talking about clothing and clothing coming off. And I guess we can have a group who are nudists. So let's just make them naked. And, and I just, it feels really. Well, I get the nudist thing. That's, the, that's one of the main themes of the show. But it feels really lazy to me. That kind of just like it, I don't think it feels lazy. All right, I feel, here's your here's I, here's your titty quota for the show. Enjoy yeah, I don't think it. It's for about the meeting quotas. I don't think it feels lazy either. Like to me, it's it's very titty much quota. about kind of uh, I mean taking these elements that have been in Japanese animation for years, things that are kind of synonymous with the the art form, and giving it purpose if you're going to do anything with it they give it purpose and they're like yeah this is a clothing this is a show about clothing and we're using clothing as a metaphor for conformity and there's a group that is they're the good guys and they are nudists so we're going to use it for comedic effect and also titillating effect because you know sexuality is a thing that humans experience but it's not like to me when I get upset about a show doing too much fan service it's because it's being creepy and voyeuristic and objectifying and this show doesn't do this. It doesn't bother me with its fan service. It's they're they're just characters that have tits and Now one asses. thing that I will say and that I And they do it to the guys too. Like it's a very, you know. One thing that I will say fair. that I liked was that I liked it when and this is right at the beginning, but when Senketsu gets worn by the other person, we find out that that's other people can't really wear him that he won't oblige other people as as he will uh as he will Nuchal, but I will find it. I do find it interesting in that moment where, where they were like, where where she was like, why did she have no problem? And Senketsu said basically that it was because this other girl had no problem. She wasn't ashamed of herself. She had no problem being naked. And I do think that that was the one glimmer in all the jokes about about Nuko's, you know revealing costume and then and then uh satsuki's revealing costume and and all of that that was the one glimmer where i looked at it and i said well there's something to think about that that the only time it mattered that someone had titties was when they were in this revealing costume and it was that kind of illusion of i'm not showing this but i'm gonna show almost everything else and let your imagination run wild but when the person was just like here's my naked body, no one cared. Right. And I think there's a really interesting thing to be said there, and I did appreciate that, but but the 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 jokes of the peeping Toms and, and her being in skimpy clothes ran a little long for me. Um, yeah, I think most, uh, most of that stuff landed as either funny or the, I guess probably the way they intended it, I feel, but yeah. Does anybody have any other comments about the show? I mean, there's... There are other things that there are things that I like about the show that I haven't said, and there are other things that I don't like about the show that I haven't said. Um, I mean, there are so many things that I I wanted to say. I like I, I love the the backgrounds of the show. I think that I we we only talked about the art for a little bit. I think the art of the show is really really spectacular. Uh, it's very the sense of like uh, um like depth and perception is very like Max Fleischer to me, and uh, 
everything has a very hand-drawn kind of feel and oh my god the flashbacks like the flashbacks literally look like an old show like an old anime show that you would watch from like 15 or 20 years ago that that's amazing like why why i don't know it's I do. I think that stuff is really cool. One of the things that I thought was really cool was that I think it's a fresh and and maybe you guys won't disagree, won't agree with me when I say this. I think it's a fresh reboot on Magical Girls. And I also appreciated that boys had a transformation sequence. Mm -hmm. I appreciated that. It's very fair. It's a very fair show. And none of the characters are defined by their gender or their sexual uh, proclivities or anything like that. In fact, I don't think the show really has anything to say about sexuality as sexuality at all. Like, I, I, and I think that, that you know, a, the Western concept of conflating nudity and sexuality is, uh, is a, a problem that we have. And I think that if you can separate it in your mind for this show, then you'll see that they're really more interested in, you know, using nudity as a device than they are about what nudity means to Westerners, which is so in- inseparable from sex so much of the time. Yeah. You know, the, the naked form means, oh, well, that means sexual arousal, right? Well, no, not, not necessarily. It doesn't have to. And, and that's what I was saying. Like, and, and, and this is one of the things that, you know, every, well, not every, but a lot of girls going in junior high or high school get the talk of like, honey, it's not what you show half the time. It's what you don't show. That, right. that is sexuality. So, and, and I, I think that's an interesting thing for the show to, to talk about. So, um, I mean, I'm sure that we could talk about Kill a Kill for about 40 more minutes probably. <laughs> and even though we're doing this new, can you imagine if we were trying to do Kill a Kill without doing the, the reviews that, the way that we do them now and doing it in only like 20 minutes? Oh my be, God. It would be so impossible. impossible. Um, It'd be rough. Because we've almost, we, we almost have an hour under our belt of Kill a Kill at this point. So that being said, doesn't do anybody ha- do you want guys want to give your closing comments and then score the anime? I already know what the chat has given the anime. I'm yeah, I'm I'm going to go out there and say that this is my favorite thing since Madoka and before Madoka I didn't really have a favorite thing since like Jesus like Bebop. <laughs> so like I I am in love with this show. I think it's just Great on just about every level. Like I can't, I can't think of. Uh, the, I mean, I have s- the things that I could say that are wrong with it. I can only categorize as nitpicks at this point because I'm just so head over heels for it. I just think it's great, and I hope Trigger goes on to do more original, cool stuff like this, and can move away from this too. That's another important thing. I want them to do something new because they seem to. If if, I, if I'm basing it on this, they seem to be really good at doing something new. Yeah. Do you want to give your score, or do, do we do we all want to give closing thoughts and then all score? No, I think it's fine if we do if we do it one at a time. What do you think? Are you giving it a five, Graham? Uh, I'm giving it a five. I think it's uh, I I think it's a masterpiece of entertainment art. I do. Um, for me, I the, the for me this anime is really a tale of two stories. I really hate the first half of Kill a Kill. I I found it to be a collection of fight scenes that were badly animated, and I don't find the animation... I don't find the action scenes in the anime to be very entertaining at all, especially not in the first half. Um, I found the anime, especially in the beginning, to be, to be irritatingly loud and um, like almost psychotic at times, just... Just I don't I don't even know what just too much too much energy and excitement I just couldn't I, I couldn't stomach it for more than you know twenty the, the twenty minutes but the second half of the show I think is quite good 
and um, really sort of ruined the anger that I had for the first half of the show for this review. It sort of really muted my uh, my opinions on the anime. Uh, I thought the end. I thought the the actual story, like what the what the lifesavers are, is really interesting, and I didn't see it coming. And um, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give it. Um, it's much lower than what Cram gave it, but I'm gonna give it what I think is a very polarizing three out of five. Um, three star Kamui suits out of five. I didn't in the end. I didn't hate nor like the show. Goku suits. Goku suits, whatever. But um, <laughs> but um, but the animation and all the sexualization, which I which we all know I don't like, and the, and the hyperness really didn't help didn't really help it for me but i respect the anime and i understand what it's trying to do and i think that it did convey the message pretty well but um it wasn't quite to my taste and i didn't really like gurn log and all that much either so maybe i do think it is a matter of taste too like this is i understand why the show is polarizing i think this show for me i think it was a very strong presentation by trigger i think the problems that i had with it have been made apparent throughout this review and and I think it was an enjoyable watch. I don't think it's something that I would ever be interested in watching again. But I don't resent Studio Trigger for taking that amount of time in my life. I think it's a show that is going to appeal to some and not everyone. And maybe I fall somewhere in the middle. Um, I'm going to give Kill a Kill three and a half half blades of scissors or whatever out of five because I think it is solidly above average but the problems that it had for me in the storytelling in the things it did in the animation in some of the choices it made just aren't enough to to bump it up much more than that so I averaged our five our three and our three and a half and we get a 3.8 which we round up on the show right and interestingly enough, I took the chat, I, I took all of their total votes and averaged them, averaged them all across all the votes we got, and they also gave it a 3.8. Interesting. So, oh, wow, weird. So um, we were exactly with, with, the, with the chat. Um, 45% of the chat gave the anime a 3.5. Uh, 30% of them gave it a 4.5. Or higher, which I split fifty fifty with um, five and four point five. So I will say that that thankfully this isn't one of those anime where if someone's like, "I love this anime," I'm like, "You're stupid." <laughs> that sounds really mean to say, but but you know those anime where some people are like, "This is the best anime ever," and you just look at them and you're like, "Really?" And and I can see why people love this anime. So I think a four is fair. I'm happy with with it getting a four. So next week on the podcast, I'm saying this because. We are doing our a call-in show for the... Uh, oh, all right. You all can thank Cram for this. Cram wanted to do a call-in show. So we're going to do a call-in show, allow you to ask us a question, and then we're going to play a game of trivia with the chat, and we'll keep score throughout the whole show and see you can challenge one of the three hosts to a trivia question. Yeah. And that will be on the live show only. So if you want to play, you must you must both add us on Skype and... Join the live show. And I think we're giving people my Skype name, right. which is AAA Chiaki. Right. And the review we're doing is Nobuna Gun. Oh, yay. Which I oh, don't cool. have to watch. Teehee. Uh. <laughs> How much have you watched, Graham? None. <laughs> None. All right. You have a week ahead of you. Awesome. This was episode 229 of the Animatics Anonymous podcast. As always, you can find us at aaapodcast.com. 
iTunes. Don't forget to drop us a rating, especially if you like us. Facebook.com forward slash Anime Addicts Anonymous Podcast. Every time you hit the like button, a Moe Angel gets her wings. Twitter.com forward slash AAA Podcast or at Dusty Cram Cram. Did I get That's that right? right. I got yeah. that right. And I know Dusty Cram Cram, I don't use Twitter that much. I should use it more. But I know he does mm-hmm. lots of cool tweets. So give him okay. a, a follow on Twitter. And where we broadcast live every Saturday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Ustream.tv. But if you can remember, aaapodcast.com, you can find links to all of those. Thank you, as always, everyone who joined us on the Ustream. You make it worthwhile to go through the craziness that is involved with doing live shows. A large live audience again, so can't do it without you. Taking us out tonight is the song My Sweet Shelter from the anime Bokudawa Mina Kawako by the artist Kana. Have a great week, everyone. We'll see you guys next week. Colin Show. Bye-bye.